back to the Sim Cult Network. I'm Chris. I'm Matt. I'm Honto. And we are continuing our <laughs> October Scarefest with our Stephen King coverage. We are doing the 1980s Stanley Kubrick film, The Shining, a film we have all seen multiple times, I will say without even asking, because I'm pretty sure of it. Um, <laughs> we are, uh, I feel like this whole month has been climbing, well actually you guys probably disagree, but all the Stephen King movies we've been covering has been climbing in quality. Actually, yeah, I will it say was that. Like a, it's kind of like an ebb and flow for me because Silver Bullet I thought was like, you know, watchable. But still quality-wise, yeah. I feel like 1408 is a better quality movie well, yeah, it's than got Silver more, Bullet. got more money. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like, honestly, I said it last week on uh, 1408. I think 1408 and Silver Bullet are both duds. I don't, I, don't really, uh, I don't really love either one of those movies. I think Shining is like tears better than that movie like t-e-a-r-s like yeah tears. Like, like you're crying or just so happy that like it's... tears you're crying tears but like it's i mean we're talking about like you know minimum wage and then winning the lottery here right okay. yeah like that's what we're talking about with these like quality in movies like Man, i'm so surprised you guys didn't like 1408 i it's, it's okay it's not good anyway um we have a lot to say about this movie i'm assuming so let's go ahead and get into the cast and crew psych let's go <laughs> ahead and <laughs> let's play what does this have on Rotten Tomatoes? Honto, I'll start off with you. Oh. The Shining. What does it have on Rotten Tomatoes? 98%. Matthew? 90%. 84%. Wow. And for fun, what does Dr. Sleep have on Rotten Tomatoes? Honto, I'll start off with you again. Um, I'll say 85. Matt? 90. 78%. Oh, wow. So oh. these are both in the same area, which yeah. I do agree with. Yeah. Um, Dr. Sleep, though, changed because it, I remember it being up there it's pretty, pretty high, high when it came out. It was, uh, but yeah, like that first week or so, and then yeah. it would drop. Um, let's talk about the box office budget for The Shining. Matt, I'll start off with you. Okay, a little bit of trivia. I know this answer. <laughs> Do I, don't know this know, answer? I don't know okay. this answer, but to kind of help out, it went over budget. I do know that. Oh, okay. They went over filming days. Okay. So I'm assuming they went oh, over budget. Okay. Because uh, they're originally well, not necessarily to... just because you go over in days doesn't mean you go over in budget. Well, I think they were only supposed to film for like a year, but I want to say this movie took a little bit longer than that, or I it think... was like six months to a year, and it took a little bit longer than that. There's definitely a lot of perfection and technique in this movie. Yes, and the Shining Hotel, the interiors are all on a soundstage. Yeah, yeah. same soundstage as the Well of the Souls from Raiders of Lost. Because Park. the um the television miniseries that was actually sh- shot at the Stanley Hotel, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, so it's like, yeah, this is all... It's based off the Stanley Hotel, but it's all studio-based, basically. Yeah, so I don't know. What I'm getting around to is a number here. Uh, <laughs> I'll get to that number soon. Oh, my God. Hanta, you want to go first? <laughs> I, 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 went, I went first last time. You, Damn you it, yeah. um, I'm going to go with 50... No, 30 mil. Okay. Hanto. I'll That's say tw- uh, 25 million. This movie only costs nineteen million to make. Oh, okay. Really? This movie looks phenomenal, and yeah. it looks like it cost a hundred million and to the, make. The interior of the uh, this hotel is phenomenal looking. It's yes. beautiful. Yeah, um, and that's the only thing I don't want to really get into it yet. But since you kind of brought it up, that's the only thing that I think hurts the Shining miniseries. It's a good miniseries, but this hotel is phenomenal. And then when you watch the miniseries, you're like, yeah, it looks cool. But remember that other hotel? So yeah. that's the only thing that hurts it. Um, so how much did The Shining make at the box office? I do not have international numbers. So you said the, the budget was $24 Ni- million? 19. 19 million, yeah. okay. Um, okay. So I only have domestic. How much did it make at? I'll say 80 mil. Okay. Uh, 75 million. 
47 million. Mm. Okay. So with inflation, probably about 100 million, okay. I would assume. Um, is this one of the. F- this isn't the first, because we had Carrie and Salem's Lot previously. Is this like. This has got to be one of the first. This is up there. Oh, yeah. For. Okay. Yeah. Um, because. Carrie came out in like seventy-eight. Yeah, so these are this is within the first five, I would think. Okay. I was watching a trailer. This is off topic, but I was watching a trailer for Carrie. Yeah. And it's weird because I, think I saw the trailer recently too. Yeah, I think it was on uh, the other night on Joe Bob. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that's movies. where I saw it. But uh, it was weird because they in the trailer they say like ju- they just say based off the hit book. They don't say anything about Stephen King. It's like from the Master of Horror. Yeah. It's weird hearing that, and it's like seeing a trailer, it's like, wow, they don't even advertise Stephen King's name on it, but he's not a big name at this time. So there's no point, yeah. Not as huge as a name as he is when he hits into the But now when you have, like, you know, 1408, it's like from the hit minds of Stephen King. Yeah. Honestly, like that. yeah, that's, no, that's a good that's point because really we brought that up on we brought that up last week about how 1408 was advertising that that hooked all of us as yeah. like a Stephen King movie. Of course, so. yeah. Yeah. There you go. I don't know, it's just kind of interesting to see how like the the tide has the progression, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Chris, go ahead. Hanto, go ahead with the cast and crew. Oh, okay. Of the Shining, directed by Stanley Kubrick. Um, two thousand one Space Odyssey, Spartacus, Doctor Strangelove, Barry Lyndon, Full Metal Jacket, and many others. Would you say this is his opus? I don't know. Nah, uh, Doctor Strangelove, I think, is. That's pretty... Yeah, all of his stuff, like, in the 60s is all really, really great. I might like, say Clockwork Orange. Oh, no, sorry, 2001 Space Odyssey. That's his. That's, yeah. like, that, that's definitely, like, the interstellar of his filmography. You know, like, yeah. the... Just, I've only seen two of his movies. I've seen Clockwork and Shining. You should check out 2001. I own it. I just even, never Even if it. you know, like, the, the hits of that, that movie? I don't, actually. Okay. Uh, I know there's a monkey in it. Yeah, so I knew, like, all the stuff that's, like, fame. the movie's famous for. I know what the, like, the plot is, like... Yeah. yeah, but when I finally like sat down and watched it, I was like, "Holy shit!" This I do is, need to watch this it. Is yeah, amazing. I've seen, the, I've seen the second one. Oh, you see? No, I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> he's an interesting I only director watch too. <laughs> yeah, I watch sequels. Um, because naming off all of his movies, he's able to like he he genre jumps. Yeah, he really yeah. does. Because dude, dude, his filmography, like I said, I've only seen two of the, like the ten he's done, but just looking at it and like you're right, looking at his the different genres he tackled from like. Sci-fi the sexual thriller of Eyes Wide Shut yeah. to like, and then he was gonna finish with uh, not finish, but he was gonna do AI, which oh, was another uh, science fiction y movie. Yeah. So the first um, one I ever saw of his was actually in the fifth grade for history class. We watched Spartacus. Yeah, I, see, I, mean, I might have awesome seen movie. it. It's really good. Is it? Yeah, I only I I've only seen that one time, but I believe that it's really good. Um, okay. Yeah, and like, okay, well, I want to talk about The Shining for a second too. That I. Th- I want to say it was up for a couple of Razzies. Uh, I could see that because the 80s is that, that era of filmmaking where people really shat, shat on movies. Yeah, I want to say Shelley Duvall and I think uh, Stanley Duvall. Kubrick were both up for Razzies for this movie. That's insane because Shelley Duvall is awesome. She's in amazing in this movie. Yeah, she is. To watch her transition of... she's Because they make her such a sweet, nice person. Uh-huh. And she's so generous in the way she talks to people. And then just to like see her break down, just the transformation is insane. Yeah. I think, yeah, I've never seen her in anything else. I've probably seen Popeye at some point. Popeye's, I think, the only one I've really ever um, seen. But yeah, she kills it in this. But oh, um, I'm looking up the awards real quick. Um, I'm not seeing any. Oh yeah, Razzie's nominee for Shelley Duvall, worst actress, and Stanley Cooper for worst director. That's insane. Isn't that crazy. It just goes to show how not believable the Razzie Awards are. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. Off topic, but recently I found out at the Tangerine Dream score for Thief 
was oh. up for a Razzie. <sighs> really? These yeah. People, get these people out of here. And it's just like, you look at that, and it's like, man, that soundtrack is awesome. And, and then Tangerine, badass. and it made Tangerine Dream, like, blow up, and they started doing all these 80s scores. Yeah. And then the synth drew, like, the yeah. 80s score for... The whole decade, pretty like much. Like Vangelis and like yeah, uh, like Blade Runner's score for Van or uh, Vangelis' score for Blade Runner, you know, and like yeah, just a lot of synth in the eighties, Moog synthesizers and all that stuff. It just really defined what the eighties really is. But Razzie's thought thief deserved that. Yeah, but they also like, thought like what that shame and it was like they also thought here. the thing was like the word like bad. I think and like oh Blade, really? I think I don't know. I'm just putting words in. I'm using. Defamation. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, it's good. It's yeah. Good. <laughs> um, so yeah, Stanley Kubrick. Um, I if it's not his best movie, it's definitely up there. Okay. So uh, I never really do this, but since the the cinematography in this movie is pretty amazing, I'm gonna mention the cinematographer, uh, John Alcott. He previously worked with Kubrick on Clockwork Orange, uh, Barry Lyndon. He's also notable for movies like The Beastmaster. Whitewater Summer. Ooh. And now you're talking a movie that we watched recently, Terror Train. Okay. I don't know if you watched it, but not recently. I've yeah. seen it before, yeah. but yeah. But yeah, it was kind of like, oh wow, he did Terror Train. I'm more yeah. ooh, Whitewater Summer. Yeah, Whitewater Summer worked with Kevin Bacon. Oh. Well, I was say we got to talk about that Steadicam. Yeah. Like, this is one of those uh, big first like Steadicam movies. I okay. Like so one one take or you know the one take one shot Steadicam yeah. following a character around uh you know exploring the hotel basically. If you can look up the name because you have your computer in front of him. What's his, his name? Is, which his movie name called? is John Alcott. Yeah, oh, okay. Because it's not the cinematographer. It's the guy who invented the Steadicam. Oh. He was the guy who run, who who ran the Steadicam through a lot of these earlier movies, um, and uh, one of them being Rocky. He he worked on Rocky. And then he worked on this. Dude, Garrett, what a filmography. Garrett, Garrett Brown, I think yeah. is his name. He actually did the uh, commentary on uh, the Shining DVD that I watched. Did you watch cool. the commentary? Yeah. Very, very cool. Very yeah, cool. so it was interesting to hear him talk about all of it. And he talked about like the Stanley Kubrick process, which we'll get into when we start talking about the movie. I Actually, speaking of, I have a trivia question before we get any further, because I don't want to wait until the very end to ask you this. Okay. Did you look up the trivia for the, the deleted scene that was cut off the ending of this movie? I've read about it. Okay. okay. I just want to make sure we know. We'll talk about it. Because I just want to make sure. A, that actually poses a question I want to talk to you guys about. Did like, you watch this movie? <laughs> did you Have you seen this movie before? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, let's go so ahead. We'll, we'll get to that. But, um, yeah, um, me and Matt recently watched a video and the video was, what's the definition of cinematic? Okay. And we watched, it was like a 30-minute video. And Patrick the, Willems, right? Yes, Patrick Willems. And when he got to the end of the video, he decided that Ocean's Eleven is a cinematic movie. And the way he described that was because anytime the camera has a soul and oh. is moving and not just like a, 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 shot. a, a shot. Like a static and shot. And so he showed basically. all these examples from Ocean's Eleven and he was like, that's what makes a movie cinematic. Okay. So when I watched The Shining, that's all I thought about because this camera is part, this is a character in this movie. It's yeah. play, It's almost like it's the perspective of the hotel itself, just spying in. It's and, awesome. And like yeah, that's a great. Like, kind of like peering in on uh, on the characters and yeah. what they're doing and stuff yeah. and kind of like influencing them to do stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, and it's like uh, one of the things they talked about a lot in that commentary was that it's a use of like 3D space, right? Yeah, and they absolutely. And there's crosshairs on the lens when they were filming and he, he uh, Brown talked about how many arguments he got into with Kubrick about uh, keeping everything within those crosshairs all the time. And he's got, he has to work a steady rig. So he's like trying to keep everything within these crosshairs and they argued about it. 
And uh, there's something that's like extremely uh, symmetrical about this movie. Yeah. yeah. The way like the hallways it's are, like, the dude, way it's uh, Scatman's, uh his room. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is very symmetrical. Like I noticed at this time, <laughs> it's like the painting in the middle, the TV underneath. Yeah. Lamp on each side, this on each side. Like it was, it is Which, very symmetrical. In a, way, like, in a way, it's like kind of prototypical uh, Wes Anderson. Yeah. Oh yeah. Shots, yeah. Good the call. Way his shots are. Which yeah. like it, it's a Kubrick style that he's done since like 2001, right? All the time. He does it all the time. Yeah. He does it in Clockwork Orange. It's even like in Full Metal Jacket. It's the same. Yeah. Same thing. I think that comes back from his like he used to be a photographer uh, back in the 50s before he started getting into filmmaking, and I think that's where it comes from. But um, and uh, I think like. I, I, what I tried to question with was this. Like, it's a very, very odd feeling throughout the movie, right? Yeah. It makes it feel kind of, it makes it feel uncomfortable. Yeah. But, like, this is something that, like, did he mean to do this because it's a horror film? Or does he is he just doing this because it's his style? I think he did it in part with the whole aspect of the maze where it's, like, the Overlook Hotel is a maze itself. And there's lots of twists and turns and lots of yeah. history, I guess. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So you're saying it was intentional just for the movie? I think everything has a purpose in this movie. Okay. As far as yeah. like set design. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Everything. When you look at like the layout of the rooms and mm. like like just everything about it is very, I'll go, very I'll give you that. Yeah. particular, you know. Yeah, I'll agree and, with and, you on that. And hotel. Kubrick's like known for being a total perfectionist. Mm. There's no way he would like just let some shot be Sure. Oh, a dull shot or whatever. I got a little bit of trivia on that. We'll talk about it later on. But okay. yeah, the perfectionist thing that I like, I always knew that that he was a perfectionist. But some of the the ridiculousness, yeah, of the perfectionism is uh, that happened during this movie is just kind of like kind of over my head. Yeah, where I'm like, that's crazy. Like that is just simply crazy. Yeah. Um. Okay. But yeah, I I think like uh, there's a good question. Uh, one of you two brought up Wes Anderson. Kind of makes me want to see a Wes Anderson horror film. I know. Yeah, he needs to do something different. Not yeah. the quirky. Like, I would... And I know if he goes into that horror territory, he's going to add, like, the quirkiness or, like, the the weird characters. You're saying you want to yeah. see Wes Anderson direct a Friday the 13th? Yeah, that'd be awesome. In the very symmetrical kind of way. That'd yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if, like, eight directors got together and they said, hey, we're going to do a challenge this year and we're going to direct something that's the complete opposite of our genre. That'd be cool. And you had, like... Nolan do like a romantic comedy, and then you had like Wes Anderson do like a horror, movie. like yeah. just yeah. these opposite. Of, and then it gets them out of their comfort zone, and you get to see their style in a different genre. I can, I can already imagine like a Wes Anderson kill with like Friday the Thirteenth would be just like a kind of your straight on view of somebody standing there, and then just a machete going directly in the middle, and then just like falling apart. Right, yeah, dude, that's like, um. There's an SNL skit oh, yeah. is there? where they do a Wes Anderson horror movie. I promise I did not see this. Oh, no, you're fine. I no, no, no idea. Yeah, look, it's actually really cool. Okay. It's pretty yeah. clever. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, but yeah, that'd be really cool to see. Um, yeah, we just, I think we just need more directors to go outside of their boundary. I agree. And yeah. Explore more into different territories. Yeah, like, I really like. I brought. We talked about Wes Anderson last night, Honto. And um, I really like Wes Anderson stuff, but I'm just kind of getting like that point where I'm like, I kind of want to see something really different from him. Yeah. Like I something that's out of his bounds. I think it's so weird as these directors get older and they start to like play in their own backyard all the time in well, their own sandbox. And it's that, kind of like, that's a, that's a be careful what you wish for because Spielberg, I'm sure people are like, I want to see him do something different than action. It's like now we're in the most boring movies ever made. By that but guy. I will say with Spielberg, it's like, uh, at least he's like, taking the chances, you know, and same with Scorsese, Scorsese takes chances. I just want more of that, that action that we saw in Indiana Jones, like in modern day, 
Uh, yeah, it's really weird he's not the one in the Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. It's it really is, strange. I was seeing pictures from the new Indiana Jones last night, and I was like, this is so... Like, it was kind of cool. It was Harrison Ford with a bunch of uh, Indiana Jones, like, fanboys, so they're all dressed up like oh, okay. Indiana Jones. Okay. Um, a really cool picture that he got, like, on the streets while yeah. he was filming, and I'm just sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, it is so weird that he is not doing this final Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. Like, he must have, like... There must have been a falling out. Like, no, he probably just no. has something else to do, or he's t- it's time for him yeah, to move on. He's too busy working on his boring movies to I, to take the time to make. I think West Side Story is gonna be really good. Quote I, me on that. I think it might be all right. The cinematography looks amazing. Yeah. I'm surprised you guys don't like Ready Player One. I I kind of like it. I think it's a fun movie. I kind of like it. The Shining stuff in that movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is yeah. really dumb. Uh, but it's like I feel like it's just stupid fun. Uh, mm. Overall, it's not like great. It's not atrocious it's just kind of in the middle of just i like it medium fun can i I say like this is medium fun i think it would have (laughs) been i had medium fun (laughs) i think it would have been a better movie directed by robert zemeckis because zemeckis does all that stuff pre-hand when he was doing the 3d stuff with movies like i feel that when he made ready player one if he made ready player one he would do something really special with like every time you went into the video game world yeah that that i think that was kind of the the that would have been an awesome that was a 3d was that a 3d movie Ready Player uh, One? No, no, no. no. That, why wasn't that a 3D movie? I mean, I feel like that's kind of like the movie where they give you the 3D glasses and when it's time to go into the world. Right? Let me go that with the cool. character. Yeah. With, you know, like, the glasses. Like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, what a missed opportunity. It's a, it would be like an immersive experience, yeah. I feel like. But I, I feel like 3D is kind of dead at this point. It, it is yeah. pretty dead. Yeah. Plus, yeah. if you did, you'd be having medium fun and then you put the glasses on and you're like, I'm having... Um, not great fun. Not, yeah, <laughs> not great fun. Now it's what to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not, not great is the bottom, and then it goes to medium, and then it goes to fun, and then it goes to really, just fun. really fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're only on the, the cinematographer at this oh, point okay. of the cast and crew, uh, starring Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance, previous episodes, Batman 1989 and The Departed. He's also in Five Easy Pieces, Easy Rider, One Flew Over to the Cuckoo's Nest, and Witches of Eastwick. He is so good in this. Uh, yeah, he is on another, I feel like a like a god tier of yeah, acting on this. It is. Honestly, I wasn't, uh, like, I didn't really, I always kind of knew Jack Nicholson as, like, he's just playing Jack Nicholson. Yeah. My hands-down favorite performance of him in any movie was Five, e- five Easy Pieces. I still need to see it. He, it's I, excellent. I think I actually own that. He's it. excellent in yeah, it. Yeah, I think yeah, I actually he's owned, so damn good uh, in it. I think I just recently bought the, uh, the Criterion. Yeah? Of it. But, uh, mine is, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, yeah. That one is a phenomenal, uh, uh, performance, and I think he won the Oscar for, for that one. I'm surprised he wasn't up for anything for this. Do you ever see that Oscar video, by the way? Sorry, <laughs> which one? He wins the Oscar for he doesn't. He, I don't think he won for One Flew Over. He oh, might really? Have, he won for uh, something before One Flew Over. And oh, you're thinking of uh, Witches of Eastwick? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he won for something. So what he did was he filmed an, like an acceptance video of him getting the award on the set of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And it's a really kind of a cool little I've never video. Because yeah. he's like in character as the character from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So he like So he won for one for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Terms of Endearment, yeah. and As Good as It Gets. But he's been nominated for like several. Oh, then what the hell did he win for? Because like I've seen the Probably the, Terms for, Terms of Endearment came out after uh, one flew over. Yeah, no, it was before. Uh, what I'm saying, it was before one flew over. He won for something. Don't know. Little and, shop of horrors. Yeah, and he shot. Oh, the original. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he shot like a like an acceptance speech on the set of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Maybe. Oh, okay. So it's yeah. Okay, like, look it up. It's a really like kind of fun video. That's but, cool. Okay. 
Um, we got Shelley Duvall as Wendy Torrance, Popeye, Annie Hall. I didn't know she was in the Frankenweenie uh, short by Tim Burton. Oh, cool. And oh, I didn't know that. also stars uh, in Suburban Commando, starring Hulk Hogan. One of, one of Hunt's favorites. Uh, I haven't seen it as a kid. I remember liking it. I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, every time, I used to get her mixed up with Shelly Winters. Winter, which is... Um, Cheers. Yeah, I think she plays uh, Mom and Brady Bunch. Uh, no, no, oh, yeah, she that's, does. Yeah. That's yeah. what I just said, yeah. Wait, what did Shelley you... Shelly Winters. No, Shelly Winters is from uh, Poseidon Adventure. No. You're it's, thinking of... It's uh, a Shelly something for sure. Oh, yeah, that, that's messing my brain up. Um, Shelly Long. Shelly Long. Shelly Long. Long. Okay. Yeah. And which one's this Shelly? This Shelly Duvall? This Duvall. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I used to get those two mixed up like all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I know we already kind of went over it. She's awesome in this. Amazing. Yes. Uh, the only thing I don't like about this movie, the one thing I'm going to nitpick, and it's not horrible, but their chemistry. Oh, yeah. I think it's purpose. Purposeful. You really? Oh, absolutely. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I. Yeah. I think from the from the jump, he's a, a massive piece of shit to the son and the to his wife you think so oh absolutely but i don't yeah. I, I feel like you should buy well, some kind of chemistry between the two and i don't that's the only thing i don't I, like about I, it I, I think he's already he's an, he, i mean he's an abusive father uh to i mean he's like hurt danny in the past like mm-hmm. like you know actually physically harming him i think he's like a piece of shit to his wife just because of the drinking alcohol i mean she even talk, talks about how uh how he had a massive drinking problem, I think even five months previous to the story. Yeah. And, uh, he, she talks about how, I think she's talking to Scatman Carruthers. Uh, she's basically talking about how he had a massive drinking problem. He, uh, hurt Danny. And if he continues to drink, then she can like leave him. Oh, the do- she's talking to the doctor. It's in the beginning of the movie. Okay. Yeah. yeah when the doc- when yeah, yeah, Danny passes right. out and the doctor shows up. Yeah. That's uh, right. I don't think he's supposed to be a piece of garbage. Though. Oh yeah. I don't think he is. Massive. No, even in, I'll, I'll even uh, get Matt to back me up on it. He's not supposed to be a bad person. No, right? it, it's, it's weird because like, that's the one thing I don't like about this movie. That's, that's the thing that Stephen King hates about yeah. it. Yeah. It's because like, he's kind of crazy from the get. Yeah. Um, but like in the book, he's like Jack Torrance is just kind of like a he's 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 an alcoholic. He's troubled. Yeah, you know, and that's like the turning point. Is it's kind of like that uh, he's like fighting himself, which yeah. he doesn't do very much in this movie. He doesn't very, really fight the, himself. The turn is quick. I mean, yes. it's already happening in the beginning. I mean, he's like seems like the happy go lucky, you know, ready to take the job, blah blah blah. But there's parts, there's like hints of him being a shithead in the beginning. I mean, to the point where he, I think he's like walking getting a tour of the hotel and he's like checking out other female guests like they're behind. Yeah. Uh, and then he refers to Danny. I don't even think he refers to Danny until like, like by name until like later on, but he refers to him as his son or whatever. Okay. Or the, the child. It's a good for a kid's room or whatever. Yeah. Uh, in the, uh, the opening tour. But yeah, I think he's just naturally just a, a really bad. I see. Bad I don't guy. think so. I, 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 I would go back and forth on this. Um, but in what was originally intended for the character is that he's not a bad person. He's got a troubled past, but he's working on getting rid of it. And I think that's why Stephen King hates this movie is because he hates that from the get go, you feel like um, Jack Nicholson is a bad person because that's how he's playing him, Mm -hmm. but he's not supposed to be. Yeah. So that's the thing that's kind of a bummer. And that's why I don't like um, in the miniseries. And then I'm assuming in the book as well, they do have chemistry. They're a, they're, they're a tight Ooh, family. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say hot take. 
I like Jack Nicholson a lot. I think he's a phenomenal actor. And by the way, that award that he won for was a BAFTA award for the last detail in Chinatown. BAFTA, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I like Jack Nicholson a lot. But I'm gonna go ahead. The hot take. It's gonna be. It's gonna piss people off. I think Steven Weber does a better job as a nice. Jack Torrance than Jack Nicholson does as Jack Torrance. Uh, I disagree. But really? Yeah. I need. I need to actually. I'll probably. He's watch good. It. I'll probably but watch it after. I feel like because I like I. Okay. The then this movie is better than the TV version of The Shining, but I like the certain whole aspects. like I like yeah I like certain aspects. I like the chemistry. I like the story in the tv version where it's him trying to fight himself all the time yeah there's like yeah. great moments in the book where it's like he is like turning into a monster and like, in... i think in the the miniseries he actually physically turns into like an evil dead monster at one point. yeah and a nightmare sequence yeah. yeah but like in the book there's this i mean not there's a there's a part where he's chasing danny around with the uh the, the mallet. mallet yeah because he's got a mallet in the book and not an axe mm -hmm. and like he gets so like he and it gets a moment where he like He's about to catch Danny, and then like he kind of overcomes himself, and he starts bashing his own head in with the mallet. Oh, weird! Kind of like to just break to, the break just the to kind of yeah or... break the spell. Okay, but it's like he's a better character in the book, and he's, I think he's a better character in the miniseries than he is in the movie. I wonder, but if... I think the movie has a the movie's better. Yeah, I, I wonder the if better. the I wonder if the the TV miniseries is. Uh, it's helpful because you have more time dealing with the character to develop the yeah. yeah. And I totally agree, but there is hints of that in this movie because when um, uh, Jack Nicholson wakes up from that nightmare, he's like crying. He's like, "I had a dream. I killed you and Danny," and he's like legit yeah. upset about it. Yeah. So like, I feel like there's hints of like he doesn't want to hurt anybody. He's a nice person, and there needs more of that stuff in there that he's turning as opposed to just being like, "I'm gonna kill you guys." You know? Yeah. I, think, I well, mean, I, I also think that there's a clear difference between being a psychopathic murderer and a just abusive terrible husband yeah but i don't think i don't think he's supposed to be a terrible husband i think this is what i'm saying is like i think this comes down to like the actor that you pick for the role yeah, I, I think jack yeah. nicholson's a very menacing actor when he wants to be and so right off the bat he seems menacing yeah uh Agreed. stephen king has been quoted saying that he wanted uh john voight to play oh god jack yeah Torrance. that'd be bad news for this family they would die if, but uh, I, I think Voight. Jack, I honestly feel like John Voight would have been better because it would have been like you would have, John, you could have seen John Voight's like progression into crazy. I don't know. I don't like I it. I feel like because, you, because like John Voight is like, especially his like 70s, 80s stuff. He's a likable dude. Like except, he doesn't get nasty until you watch him in Anaconda. I say like, <laughs> except for uh, Runaway Train, which I just watched uh, fairly recently with Eric yeah. Roberts on the train. He's an escaped murderer convict. I think a, like a murderer, I think. But, uh, He's he's a pretty bad dude in that movie. Yeah, but it's not like I'm not a, he, I don't mind John. He's got Boyd, a charm. I feel like back then. I don't know if okay. So if I had to vote, so an actor who is amazing at being charming and goofy and lovable, and then being straight out evil, John Lithgow. Yeah, I think would be an awesome wow. that's, Jack Terrence. That's, that's the guy. That's yeah, the guy. I think it'd be Ooh. really cool. And he did this for a Mountain Dew commercial with Brian Cranston. Brian oh, yeah. Cranston would be perfect because it'd be like the first half he'd be Hal from Malcolm in the Middle, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the second half would be Breaking Bad, yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. cool. Okay, cool. yeah, so, but he did it as like, uh, did you you guys see that commercial, The Mountain Dew? Oh, one? Yeah, yeah, it sounds yeah. familiar. He yeah. did it for like the Super Bowl, and yeah. he, yeah, he did like the Shining commercial and stuff. Kind of, yeah. But really he would good. be, dude, he would be excellent in this role. Yeah, I mean, you see, it's the exact kind of performance you get in uh, Breaking Bad. He starts out as a very likable. Yeah, that's true. You know, actually, and then by yeah. the end, you're just like, I hate this guy so yeah. much. Yeah. Well, talk, talk us to the other two people that are in this movie. <laughs> uh, I actually have a few few other people. Go for it. Uh, we got Danny Lloyd as Danny Torrance. Uh, I just want to mention, like, 
he's in this obviously and then he's in uh dr sleep uh very very small role i think it's uh maybe during like the baseball scene oh wow really i remember this he pops in uh but yeah he retired from acting and actually became a um I think like a chemistry professor or a teacher at a high school. Very cool. Or a college. But yeah, yeah, he's just doing that now. He wasn't even an actor before this started either. He wasn't like a kid actor. He, was, he like, was just a kid. I yeah, think he, he, was, the, he was just a kid. I think he was the fifth kid after like, yeah. auditions. I think he was like the, after going through like five or whatever, he was okay. like the yeah. person that they settled He's good in this. I like oh, read, he's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I read that he, he was the one that came up with the whole finger Oh, uh, really? Yeah, imagine, the, oh, using cool. his finger as the imaginary cool. friend. I mean, I guess we'll go into it, but um, <laughs> I was, like, watching this movie. I was like, does this, does this kid, because I always, like, wonder about child children in horror movies, specifically, like, Miko Hughes, who plays Gage in Pet Cemetery yeah. and um, The Sun in uh, New Nightmare. Yeah. It's like, how do they do horror movies for kids and not traumatize the ever living shit out of them. I've know. heard things. I can't. I was just reading this about a movie recently. Insidious, probably. There's one about Insidious, the kid in Insidious. That might have been it, where they had like a lot of fun with them and they were trying to be very light. And I like, think, uh, if I recall, there's a story about the Insidious kid because uh, he got the Darth Maul demon. Yeah. Uh, he actually like would talk to him in between sets to see like, see, it's just all fake. It's yeah, I think that's what I was reading just, too. Actually, maybe we up. talked about it, but yeah. They do stuff like that yeah. just to keep it light. So when they do film, they're like, oh, okay, it's just a game. But, but why yeah. do I feel like Stanley Kubrick didn't do that? I don't that? think he did. I, don't, <laughs> I, I, think, I, think, uh, I feel like, and you might have trivia on this, but I feel like Jack Nicholson was like purposely kept away from. The, oh, really? I, I think that might be the case. Actually, okay. it's kind of that. Um, they did that for. Um, with the family, you mean? What's that? To keep him away from the family? Yeah, like. Um, they did it with Shelley uh, Duvall. Oh, they did. Uh, Stanley Kubrick told the cast and the crew to, to ignore to her. her, don't talk to her, oh my be God. cold to her. And then, so a lot of stuff you see on the screen is her like legit breaking down wow. or using that towards her acting. What a terrible person. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. That's rough because when you know that and you watch it, you're like, oh man, she is, she looks, she looks weak emotionally. Yeah. Like you could just tell in her body that she's People just kind of like, yeah, 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 and, yeah, good point. Well, think, it, okay, so here's the trivia I wanted to get to with Kubrick because I think now we're talking about the Duvall stuff. Kubrick would uh, would uh, naturally do 40 takes oh my Lord. per shot. That's insane. So he would, the, the idea was that the first five takes are garbage and it just, those just, are the five takes that the actors have to get used to it. And then by take 15... That's when he, like you, the actor really perfected the performance, and everything else from fifteen up is like golden, right? The scene with Scatman Crothers when he's talking to Danny in the kitchen in the beginning of the movie, yeah, yeah, the close up of him, one hundred and forty eight takes. What the hell, Jesus! Yeah. And it, it got to a point where Scatman Crothers, like, I, I don't know if he like started crying or just kind of like snapped on Kubrick, and like, dude, what the hell do you? And he yelled at him. He's like, what do you want from me? Like after 148 takes of a three-minute shot of a close-up of Scatman Crothers. Isn't that crazy? That's that so dumb. Can so you imagine being a producer and being like, what the fuck are you doing with my money? <laughs> Stanley Kubrick is the producer. Yeah. What are you doing with my money? <laughs> He's looking in the mirror. Yeah. I get it, but You're it's You're wasting like, our time. <laughs> I've complained about Kubrick movies in the past that everybody seems very like stilted. And just like everyone looks like they're about to have an emotional breakdown. Yes. And, every and they feel movie. animatronic almost. Yeah. Like they've like because like I I think he he takes the he does so many takes that he 
takes the personality out of the actress performance so it's just it feels very real and natural because when we talk and stuff in real life there's not a lot of personality in when we talk. No. Like, it's just, we, we just talk, and, like, we don't raise our eyebrows. That's not true. So, when I so, talk, I have so, lots of personality. So that's how you feel about our conversations. Yes. <laughs> but They're very dull and monotone. <laughs> but, like, medium fun. Like, I would do 148 of our conversation. <laughs> but it's just, like, uh, like Scorsese. I heard Scorsese talking about, or somebody talking about how Scorsese's style is that he hates it when actors use their eyebrows and talk. Or, like, the eyebrows to talk. Because you don't use your eyebrows when you talk in real yeah. life. Yeah. Like it's like, dude, fake, I'm gonna start doing it. It's a what are you fake performance about? when you yeah, I do it all the time. But I think that's what the whole point is. Forty takes gets rid of the personality. It makes it feel a little bit more real. Uh, but it, uh, on this movie, I'm sure it was just like, hey, let's drive everybody nuts. Yeah. Uh, so going into like the whole like child acting, whatever. Like, how do they deal with a child in a horror movie? A child. Uh, I guess uh, Danny Lloyd, the actor who played Danny, uh, was five years old at the time. He had no idea that Shining was a horror movie at all. He just thought it was like a family drama. Oh, wow. A family drama. Just a normal, really? family, normal family drama. Uh, Cooper decided not to tell him the plot, like, whatsoever. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so he just thought it was about a, a family living in a hotel. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, but he said... Um, he still does to this day. He said that the most exciting part about the uh, the movie, the filmmaking, was, like, the fact that he got to ride this tricycle in the, that's in cool. the hotel. Yeah. Like, uh, okay. And I guess uh, one of the, the crew members offered, like, the tricycle, like, after the filming. And he never got the tricycle, and it was, like, really bummed about it. Oh, bummer. It. Yeah. But, uh, he, yeah, it's, like, complete opposite of Shelley Duvall. I guess, like, the other thing is that he remembers having, like, eating peanut butter sandwiches with the two twins. So oh, okay. he just thought it was, like, a normal movie, I think. Really? That's entire, the entire time. So, wow. So did Jack Nicholson. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he thought it was a... <laughs> he thought it was a... Yeah. <laughs> Um, one second. Let me go up and back to casting crew. We have Scatman Crothers as Halloran. Previous episodes, Zapped and Twilight Zone the movie. Ah, uh, yes, I had uh, seen. Okay. I always forget he's in the mo- uh, Twilight Zone the movie. I think Kick the Can segment. Yeah, yeah. Kick the Can. Yeah, Kick the Can. You remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They got the uh, was it the? They all say it like the the Peter Pan Lost Boy that like. Yeah. Thank you for this adventure. I got to go to my world. Oh or whatever. man, what a heartbreaking story! And then he d- dives out of the window. We made the joke yeah. about him like hopping out of the window and just falling to his like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I gotta live forever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he was also in. Uh, I think he did a voice for Transformers the movies, okay. uh, the movie, uh, and then he was in one episode of Kolchak the Night Stalker, which I vaguely remember. It was about one about I think like uh, like Haitian voodoo. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he's in that. Cool. We have Barry Nelson as Stuart Ullman. He's the guy that basically hires the Jack Torrance for the job. He does Wheel of Fortune now, right? What? He looks like oh, he kind of like Pat yeah. Jack. Yeah, he does. Uh, funny or not funny, but interesting uh, tidbit about him. He is the first and I think only American to portray James Bond. It was in a TV anthology uh, show called Climax. Uh, Casino Royale is an adaptation of Casino Royale. Okay. Oh, and, uh, yeah. Peter Lorre plays the villain La Chief, uh, who is played by Mads Mikkelsen in the uh, the um, what's his name? I can't think of James Bond's name. James Bond. Daniel uh, Craig. Daniel Craig. Yeah. Dan- oh, okay. The Daniel Craig adaptation. Like yeah. The front one from two thousand. I was gonna say there's three adaptations of Casino Royale or four. I think there's like at least three. There's that yeah. TV show. There's the 
Danny Danny Craig, <laughs> Danny Danny. Craig. and then there's the one that's like with Peter Sellers. And yeah, like the James which Mulfight. which one's the Woody Allen one? I think that's I think that might that's be the, the Peter Sellers. That's Peter Sellers, Sellers one. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, it was weird because it's uh, 1954, seven years before from Russia from Russia with Love. So this is like the first like kind of one of the first portrayals of James Bond in TV or film. That's cool. Uh, I guess nobody knew anything about James Bond at the time, so he had no idea how to play this character at all. Interesting. That yeah, makes me kind of want to see it now. Just kind of okay. like played it. What do I do with my hands? Uh, <laughs> what do I do with this gun? What, is, what, what would hands? James Bond do with his hands? He's just a normal guy. Just whatever you, you would do. No one's ever played him before. <laughs> what does he do with his hands? How does he talk? <laughs> <laughs> we got Philip Stone as Delbert Grady, the previous caretaker. This is the second time uh, collaborating with Kubrick. He was in Clockwork Orange as the dad who takes Alex in in the second half of the movie. Also, oh, wow. also okay. the one who uh, where they basically the gang assaults and rapes the, the yeah. woman. It's Is the, he in The Killing? Uh, I didn't see that in his filmography. Okay. Um, but he it, there's a lot of actors in this that have like basically crossed paths with um, Kubrick and other films, basically. Okay. But uh, most, no- most notable, what I know him from, uh, he's actually in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. He's having diller, uh, dinner in the palace, and he's uh, the oh. one lead, leading the charge against the thuggy army. Wow. Uh, he's, like, the one that's leading the British, like... Yes. He's, like, the British, like, yeah. colonel or whatever. I can see it. Okay. I, uh, okay. All right. Where he's, like, telling them the fire, yeah. basically. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Him, At the end of the bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Joe Turkle as Lloyd. Second time working with Kubrick. Previously, Paths of Glory. And I know him best. Oh, never mind. This is who I'm thinking okay. of. Sorry. I know him best uh, from Blade Runner as uh, Dr. Eldon Tyrell. I can see that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's the one I think that's doing. Is he the one? He's the one that's conducting the test in the beginning. Oh, sh- no. Tyrell? Yeah. Tyrell's the guy who makes the robots. He gets his head smashed by Rucker Hauer. I thought the doll maker was a different guy. No, there's the doll maker. Yeah. And then there's the guy Terrell's cre- the one he goes to to talk. He that's where he oh, meets he gets, Sean Young. He gets the eyeballs. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 That's um uh shit. What's his name? Um no. Terrell's the guy who it's his company. He's yeah, the one who Tyrell. makes the yeah, yeah. He makes the 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 uh the, the androids. Ma- manufacturers like the robots and yeah. Whatnot. So he's the one he goes to first to talk to him and does the test on Sean Young. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah he's got yeah. glasses yep, and like. Yep. I think Rucker Howard calls hair. him. Yeah, Rucker Howard calls him dad. Yeah, Your yeah. Father. No, because there's another guy. It's uh, um, I I would have to look up the the cast, but um, there's basically the the doll maker, the guy at the end who has all yes. the dolls and stuff. He's it's weird because there's actually a Batman animated series, the Hardack one. Yeah, yeah Hard of Steel, which is like the the computer robot. And he they basically have that same character and the actor I think playing doing the voice of that. Yeah, he's a. Uh... God, you know him. I'm I'm terrible with names uh, on this show, it, but it happens to the best of us. Yeah, look up Blade Runner. You'll find, like I'm looking. Okay, keep but talking. Anyways, um, yeah. So that's Terrell's the one who makes the robots and stuff. Now yeah. you say that, it's like holy shit. I never realized that. So you got William Sanderson as J.F. Sebastian. Yes, uh, William Sanderson. Uh, you know him best probably from Last Man Standing, the Bruce Willis. Uh, he's the guy yeah. that plays. I think, he does a lot helps. of Walter Hill stuff. I thought right. I think he does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't, I just, he's got a lot of movies. I can't look it what up. What would Chris know him in? Uh, I don't know. I am so far gone because you guys <laughs> have talked about like 30 million people and I like Blade Runner. I don't love it. I love that movie. Um, I think it's fine. Um, I don't even know who we're talking oh, about. Oh, there anymore. you go. Rocketeer. Who is who in Rocketeer? Uh, JF Sebastian. Is it, we, we switched topics a little bit. Oh my gosh. Who is the guy that we're talking about? Um, 
William uh, Sanderson. Who is he in The Shining? Oh, no. He's not in The Shining. This is stupid. Jo- so Joe <laughs> Tur- got it mixed up so, with... So the- Joe, Joe Turkle is Lloyd, the guy... The bartender. Uh, the bartender. Yes. He plays a character in uh, Blade Runner, uh, Tyrell. Copy. He's the like a scientist. He owns the company. Okay. Uh, Tyrell. Tyrell and Tyrell, basically. Copy. Okay. But we switched topics about the, another character in the movie because... Of Matt, The Shining? Matt, Matt was confused. Or Blade no, Runner. I and wasn't Blade confused. Runner. You were. I told you... <laughs> You thought what that was William Sanderson. No, no I didn't. No, yeah, you I did. Didn't. You just said it. No, I didn't. When you go back to re-edit this episode, you're going to realize, you're like, oh, I said oh, that. Oh, no. I was oh, you're you're going to go, oh, I realize this is a three-hour episode. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, um, this other character we're talking about, we switched gears. Okay. okay. You know him probably from uh, Rocket Just Jersey. watched it. You just Loved watched it. it so. Great movie. So, um, we got Lisa and Louise Burns as the Grady, the Grady's daughter. Daughter? The Grady's daughter. Daughters? <laughs> daughters? Daughter Grady's? Uh, they're twins in real life, even though Ullman mentions that they're eight and ten years old in this movie. So oh, that's kind of weird, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that um, is weird. Dude, at one point in the movie, he goes, yeah, um, yeah, you'll be here from October to May. Mm-hmm. And then he's, like, talking about it. He's like, yeah, it could be a long five months. And my girlfriend's like, that's not five months. That's, yeah, like, seven yeah. or eight months. Um, and that's the, that's the one that they didn't want to do 148 takes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but we've seen them a bunch of times at Horror Hound. Yeah. They're, they're always yeah. there. Um, I think let's see. We got Barry Denman as Watson. He's the guy that shows. I think he shows the the family to their room. Okay, he's the one that's kind of like leading the tour. Okay, no, from Superman three, Trading Places. Uh, he's in a movie, a horror movie called Madhouse, starring Vincent Price and Peter Cushing. And then surprisingly, does a lot of uh, video game character, uh, like voice work for video games. Oh, cool. Uh, Metal, Metal Gear Solid two. I uh, also has animated movie or uh, animated TV shows that he's done work for. And this is the biggest surprise. Uh, he does the voice of Terry, the pterodactyl from the movie hit movie Clifford. He does the voice. I guess when he goes to that, that, that ride at the end, that is so random. <laughs> wow. So I random. know exactly yeah, what you're random. talking about. We were about. literally talking about Clifford. Last, yeah. Last night. Wow. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, uh, and then, we have Tony Burton. Dear Small- God, dude. How many, like, dude. you did all these people. These people have, like, 30 seconds on screen. It's totally fine, dude. I'm going through the, <laughs> I'm going through the cast and crew because it's surprising to He's me. He's in the background selling ice cream uh, uh, at the apartment complex. We got Tony Burton as Durkin, uh, which I didn't even realize. Uh, he's the guy that's in Rocky, the Rocky franchise. He's the trainer. He's one of the trainers. Who's, who's Durkin? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's yeah. one of the guys in the beginning of the movie. Okay. I think he's maybe in the co- like in the kitchen, I think. No, no, he's can. the one that call that Scatman. That's Brothers what I was calls. wondering. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I thought it was. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. at the works at the auto shop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay, that, that's why I thought. I forgot. Yeah, yeah that, there you go. And then, Never mind, Hunter. That's a good one. That and then also I completely forgot. Salt and Precinct Thirteen. He's in uh, that movie. Still haven't watched it. Which yes. is an awesome. Wait, movie. isn't yeah. he Carl Weathers' trainer? Yep. And then he goes to work with Rocky. Yeah, after he's in for the yeah. first five, I think. He's yeah, in, I think he's in all. Of them. It's Duke, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Bill, not Bill Duke. It's just no. Duke. His name is Duke. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I know exactly. That's yeah. who I thought it was. Okay. Next time, don't interrupt me. I'm giving good. Cast that was the trivia I was excited yeah. for. Yeah. I knew that that's was somebody. The, okay. That's the one. Very Everything cool. goes. In the direction I want. I know it's like a movie with only three like main actors and. And lastly, I got one more person. <laughs> <laughs> is that it? That's it. All right. Oh, okay. I do not want to talk about every scene in this movie because it is a two-hour and a half movie, and there's a lot of scenes in it. So I will talk about it. I'll set up a chunk for like twenty-minute chunks, and then we'll go through it. That okay. Way. So the movie starts. We have family. We have Jack Nicholson, Shelley, and then the character of Danny. They are going to 
a hotel to take care of it for seven to eight months during the winter season. Um, just maintain it, uh, boiler work, uh, just do some maintenance it's on the just, place. Yeah, general upkeep while the winter winter weather hits, so they can maintain it and have it ready to open for the next like vacation yes. yeah. season. Basically, the big thing is running the boiler, and that's yeah. the big thing in the book. And, and, in the and I, I want to talk about but this. I do want to bring up the book. But I also want to talk about this movie as a separate entity. Yeah. I, I don't want to like, yeah. and I'm saying we are going to compare it to the book and stuff. But I also, I think if you watch it just as a thing and not without a comparison, it's an awesome movie. That's, yes, how, absolutely. That's, that's how I'm yeah. approaching it because I've never read the book okay. and I don't okay. know all the, the differences between. But Honestly, the boiler is a very small thing. I will never say a movie is better than the book or a book is better than the movie. I think they're two completely different things. I would only say that, like, I'm only bringing up this boiler thing. Because this is the main it's reason like why the, they have to watch a hotel. Because they like they have to run the catch fire. Or something it has like to that. manually run the boiler because otherwise the hotel will freeze over. Oh yeah, or like the boiler will like go which past is, its its point and blow up. Which is it, exactly, it's a throwaway yeah. scene in this movie. Yeah, it yeah. happens. It, it's it's like thirty seconds of Shelley looking over the boiler. Yeah, but it's yeah. funny because it's funny that we bring the boiler up because it's like Jack Nicholson has one job, the boiler, and he can't even do that job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shelly Duvall. Yeah. Shelly Duvall is the only person that takes. That's care a good of the point. That's a very good point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the boiler brings. It's uh, basically tied into Doctor Sleep. It's like kind of a big part. I have to rewatch these. it. It's been such a yes. long time. Yeah. Yeah, so. and it's the it's a huge part in the the book. Yeah. But like, I'm just saying that like, not comparing and contrasting, but sure. like, that's the reason why yeah. they're there is to yeah. basically yeah. man the boiler. And so Jack has a history of he was a school teacher, and he doesn't have any work now. So he is writing, writing. Basically, yeah, he's gonna write. They don't really go into it. I think in the book he's writing a play, um, but they don't talk about this in the movie. The reason this is him, this is a hint of him being a bad person. I think, but in the book slash miniseries, whatever, he got fired from being a school teacher because he assaulted a student. Oh, okay. Uh, the okay. student was slashing his tires because he got cut from like, a debate team. I feel like that makes sense. So yes, that makes sense. Like yeah. if you take that out of the movie, he's still, um, I still think he kind of gets like he's kind of a jerk, but he's not a bad person. Yeah. But if you would have thrown that one scene in, you would have been like, okay, he's yeah. not a good person. He yeah. got fired for beating the crap out right, of the student. Right, right, right. Yeah, um, but did that kid deserve it? No, no, I didn't think so either. <laughs> um, he slashed his tires, but I don't think he deserved it. Uh, so yeah, that's the whole plot of this movie, and that's the first hour and a half of this movie. Is just them kind of being accustomed. I say you. I would say maybe like the first thirty is like maybe them getting acquainted with the hotel, the layout, the, getting the job, getting the then, job, meeting Scatman Crothers, and then yeah, basically it's just that. And did then you, did you see him reading the uh, really quick? Did you see him reading the Playgirl magazine? Oh in no. the lobby. No, I missed. The I day, already talked about. Yeah, that. Yeah, the day he moves in, he's like he's sitting there in the lobby. He's reading a Playgirl magazine, like sitting down. Which is really weird because why would a Playgirl magazine be in the lobby of a hotel? It's random. Yeah, right? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I've never heard of the reasoning for this. It is odd. It's one of those. We'll get into this too. Shining theories. Okay. Yeah. 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 So Shining. save the theories. We'll go through theories. the movie and then we'll start hitting yes. them. Um, one thing, not to jump back to the very beginning of the movie, but one, I think the score in this is phenomenal. It's really good. Um, but the score playing while you watch 
Jack drive to the hotel that, in the beginning. That helicopter shot. That yeah, helicopter shot. It is shot. such an awesome shot. The helicopter shot, despite seeing the shadow on the the landscape. Can you see uh, it? Oh yeah, you can see yeah. it like basically on the mountainside. Oh bummer. Uh, but that shot of like just cruising through it's the water. It's so good. And yeah. Just going between the in the little islands and stuff. Yeah. That shot is phenomenal. It is, it's, it's not awesome. the winding road that leads to the hotel. Actually, it's Glacier National Park. Okay. Yeah, because I guess like they filmed. They actually did film it. The road leading to the hotel. And it was so boring and flat that they're like, this oh, sucks. Hey, we gotta get so instead, they uh, they like they went to Glacier National Park and filmed the winding cool. road. Which cool. is Very cool. Uh, well, obviously better. Yeah, it's way better. But yeah, it's it, like, okay, talking about the music, it is like, this is like one of the best films of uh, music and imagery. Like, oh, ever. yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Where it's just so, it's it's just, it together, it's just the creepiest experience. Even because... Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. The opening credits are pretty like simplistic too, right? Yeah. Like, do they have different colors? It's just like scrolling. It's like nonstop yeah, credits. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I always get the the credits for that and Clockwork Orange kind of mixed up. I can up. see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, they're all settled in the hotel, and it just kind of goes their day to day life. Um, everything is pretty normal until, and it's actually a really effective scene. And I haven't seen this movie in a few years, so it was it kind of hit me. Is when. Jack Nicholson is sitting in front of his typewriter. Yeah. And Shelly comes over and asks him, or Wendy comes over and asks him about something. And it's like, you're ruining my thinking yeah. time. And he drops like the F bomb a couple times and he's like yeah. aggressive. And you're like, yeah. okay, this is where the movie switches now. Yeah. 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 And at this point, we're getting like hints of things happening. Like they're hearing sounds or Danny rides by on his There's tricycle past 237. Yeah. Yeah. And stuff like that. And. I'm trying to think of, like, the first real scare oh, might be the, the fr- twins, Well, right? yeah, be, they, they show up even during the tour of, like, in, yeah. in public. Where he's playing darts. Yeah, and he looks over, and then just, like, it's a it's a cool shot, because he, like, looks over, and it's just, like, a like a, like a zoom-in, quick zoom-in on Danny's face. Yeah. And it cuts back 180, and you see the twins just, like, looking at him. I don't think they say anything. Yeah, they're just standing in the yeah, rec room. they're just standing there. Yeah. But it's, like, it's pretty ballsy of these ghosts just be, like, hanging out in public. Right. And it's, like... Yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of like, yeah, it's a cool. It's a. It's just very eerie. Yes. Yeah. Um. I was gonna say the first one's. I think the elevator. The blood coming through the elevator. Is that a premonition? Beginning. Yeah. He, that's why he passes out in the beginning of the movie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, the, yeah totally. Totally. Elevator. Have you heard about the trailer for this movie? I'm sure Matt has. Dude, the trailer is killer for this movie. It's I just know. the elevator. Okay. Yeah. With yeah. the blood coming out and the credits scrolling like they do in the opening. Yeah. Credits like they yeah. just scroll up and yeah. it's the music. It's like the. The, the weird, like, oh. howling noises. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's an awesome teaser. And I guess what happened was the MPAA saw it, and they're like, you can't show this. Like, this is blood pouring out of the elevator. And Stan Krupp was like, oh, no, no, no. He's like, it's the, the hotel has rusty pipes. <laughs> He's like, that's brown water coming to the elevator. And the MPAA was like, oh, okay, cool. That's duty, <laughs> that's duty water. Dum, 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 dum. I'm working on this script for a movie called Joe Dirt. <laughs> No, actually, I the think maintenance the maintenance man. I think the first, the first real creepy is not even the blood. I feel like it's uh, Danny uh, talking to Tony. Right? He's like, "Oh hey, yeah, Danny," you know, like yeah. just like, yeah. you know, like that's weird. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing I do like, and not to compare, but just to talk. And I, I need to read this book, but in the miniseries, um, when he has the job interview, Wendy asks Danny why he's at the job interview, and she's like, "Did your dad get the job?" And Danny's like, "Yeah, he got it." And she's like, "That's awesome." And she's like. She knows that he has premonitions, and she's like asking, like, "Did he get the job?" Oh. So Danny knows before 
uh, Jack even calls him and everything. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's really neat. I like that aspect yeah, of it. Yeah, it's cool. Um, and it is one thing I do like better about that. And like you said, with the miniseries, you have more time to build on it. Yeah. But you like this family in the miniseries, and you know they're troubled, and he's trying to be a better person and stuff like that. And I do like that. But like I said, if you watch this from a separate thing, um, just from the Stanley Kubrick movie, it's a dysfunctional family. Yeah. If yeah. you watch it from that aspect. Because, yeah. yeah, I'm not saying Jack Torrance in this version is a stand-up guy. He does come off like a jerk. There's like scenes where they're like they're driving in the car and Danny's like, I'm hungry. Yeah. And he's like, Well, you should have eaten lunch. And it's just kind of like <laughs> Didn't it's you, like, Sir, you're the one in charge of lunch. You're my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you say he's your idol in this movie? Yeah, I think it was, it was the go to movie, I think. You said you're like, I want to be like Jack Torrance. He's like, oh, no, no, he's, I was he talking about the the iconic portrayal of the American dad. <laughs> oh no, I was talking about the guy that's in Blade Runner and Rocketeer. That's oh, William <laughs> Sanderson. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to uh, our William yeah, Sanderson episode. I think in that car ride, he's also like talking about cannibalism. Yeah, like, Donner party. Have you heard about cannibalism, Danny? <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> I can't. I tried to do his laugh, and it turned into a cough. Man, it's Dude, a rough. Can we for the, the Donner party, Danny? <laughs> for the picture for this episode, will you instead of putting a shiny picture up, will you put up your Jack Torrance picture from a couple <laughs> Halloweens ago? I forgot about it. yeah. Yeah, Hot yeah. is uh, Jack, and it's an awesome. And then I had a wig that basically, if you ever watched the the TV show Supernatural, I look like one of the brothers from Supernatural. That <laughs> yeah, butt cut oh, hair. Oh man, <laughs> you totally do. That's Dude, awesome. You have to because I want it to be on Spotify too. So when you're scrolling, there's just one like random <laughs> Halloween photo of you. We could, it would be the picture of uh, Chris and I. Chris is dressed like uh, Tim, Tim Allen. Tim Allen from. Uh, oh no, no, I wasn't. That was the year I did Kevin Smith. Oh, was it? Yeah, and then Matt was the bad guy from Never Say Never Again. Or from For Your Eyes Only. <laughs> Wait, were yeah. you? No. But he looks like but him. But I did. I looked like him. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that was that same year. Interesting. Um, but yeah, so the movie has like these spurts of kind of like creepiness. Here's this. Here's that. Um, we're probably going to jump around. But the probably the... If not, I mean, there's so many iconic moments in this movie. Yes. But when Danny yes, goes... You, you used it right this did. episode, dude. This is perfect. This is the this, perfect movie. This is the perfect movie to everything do. Everything in this movie is iconic. Yeah, this and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, iconic what? moments. And <laughs> um, Torque. And Torque. Uh, room 237 is probably one of the more iconic moments of this movie. Um, Danny goes into the room. You don't see what happens. Yeah. But, man, this whole scene is so good because... Jack wakes up from his nightmare, and he's really upset. He had a dream he killed Jack and Wendy. And he sits in a chair, and he's really upset. He's kind of blubbering. Wendy, like, consults him. And then Danny comes out, and you know he's been in this room, but you don't know what happened. And he's got, like, a torn-up sweater and, like, red marks on his face. And she, like, instantly thinks it was Jack. And Jack, the way uh, Jack Nicholson responds to this, he's, like, sitting in the chair with his hand on his uh, face. And he, he's like... Uh, like he doesn't. He's like, "What are you talking?" Like he just yeah, kind of like a, yeah. a complete like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, yeah. Um, so he goes to visit room two thirty seven, and this is one of those scenes that's the only scene in the movie that I think is kind of weak because I didn't like the way she looked. But rewatching it this time, I did like it. Like yeah. the makeup is pretty good on this. You like the latter part of the scene? Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he goes to two thirty seven. It's uh, a naked woman taking a bath. She gets up. He gets excited to show that he, to show that he is a dirtbag, yeah. and he starts making out this random lady. Yeah. Um, and then midway through, it transforms into a completely different person. It's like this, like butt sores and like. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like this, like 
Oh, she's dead either way, yeah. but like she's got prune skin basically. Times, yeah, that's the gross part. Times prune a, skin, a thousand. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's like peeling off, you know. Yeah, the... it's really, it's actually really good makeup, and it's actually a really cool scene because as she approaches him and he's walking out of the hotel room, it shows her rising from the bathtub at the same time. Yeah, it's a very effective scene. Um, but then Jack never talks about it with anybody. No. Of course, because like, hey, here's what's happened. I was making out with this girl. Ah, no, hold on. Hey, Wendy, uh, let me tell you about this girl I was just making out with. <laughs> it was terrifying. <laughs> I I talk about the TV version. She I watched, looks awesome. I just, I just watched that version. scene uh, before uh, it's you terrifying. guys came over. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's terrifying. phenomenal makeup. And the the kid, and what, she's saying like some sort of rhyme to the kid in the yeah. TV version. Yeah. And then he like escapes the room. He's like, oh, thank God. It's just like a, you know, a story from a book or something. And then the ghost basically like yanks him back. It's inside. a cool scene. You're like, whoa, wow. Yeah. I love, yeah. yeah. She that looks scene. great on the TV version. Yeah. That scene is phenomenal in that. Um, but then just to continue on, this is kind of like the de- deterioration of the family dynamic. If there was one at this point, um, yeah, no shit. but Jack's becoming more distant. Um, I think there's just a big separation between Wendy and Jack in general because Wendy thinks Jack yeah. hurt just because of the Just because of the past, like, yeah. assault. Yeah. So I never really looked at it in this way. I've seen this movie several times over, and I always kind of looked at it as, like, oh, this movie's about Jack Torrance losing his mind, yeah. right? Yeah. And then uh, I, I saw something uh, that, like, the whole point in the movie is that the whole family loses their mind. And I never really looked at it that way. Oh, yeah. 100%. And I was like, oh, yeah, they do. Because, like, I mean, yeah, Jack Torrance loses his mind the quickest. Yeah. But, like, by the end of the movie, like, Wendy is Danny's like, pretty much, like, Wendy's in shock and Danny's, like, catatonic. Yeah. Like, I never really thought about the way that's actually but they're, they're, But, it, like, yeah. because of the way he is, those two lose their minds by the yeah. end of this movie. Yeah. That's a very good way. Yeah. I yeah, I never really that. looked at it that way. Yeah. And I read that and I was like, oh, that is. Uh, it's not Jack's movie, it's the family's movie. Yeah, it's a family dynamic. Yeah. You keep bringing that up, the family dynamic. But that's what happens is they all lose their minds collectively yeah. in the hotel. Uh, so Jack goes to the gold room a few times and has a few drinks with the the uh, this the ghost is, bartender. Um, the guy from Blade Runner. This is okay. <laughs> um, and he goes there and has drinks a few times. And at one point he goes and there's a full blown out party yeah. inside there. And this is where he like goes to pay. He's like, I got twenty, I got tens, and he's like, your Oh, that, that was a really yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's yeah. like, your money's no good here. But yeah, but the same kind of scene happens here because he tries to pay and he's like, like I want to know like, who's paying for my drinks. Yeah. And um, he's like a preferred member there. Yeah, yeah. And he passes Grady. Well, this, he doesn't know at the time. This scene's good. This yeah. Scene's, this scene's really good. Uh, the guy who previously was the caretaker, he runs into him, um, and Grady spills stuff all over his sweater, so they go to the bathroom clean it do, off. Do you know this is part here? This is great. Uh, he basically, like, bumps into Grady, or Grady, vice versa, Grady bumps into Jack, spills all this uh, this stuff all over him. Yeah. And then he's like, "Let me let's go to the bathroom. I'll help clean you off and he like uh jack is like yeah sounds good buddy and pats him on the back and just smears all the yeah stuff all over his back so he just has all this stuff that's awesome i did not notice that. i love this bathroom oh yeah it's crazy yeah. because he pretty much tells grady like oh you're grady you killed your family that's like when and... it's like he's playing this role it's weird because it's like grady this quote-unquote person sweater it's kind of like, I don't know who you're talking about, you know? But then yeah. he's kind of realizing and that... He's, and he's got this, like, English accent. Because I don't think it's... Grady's supposed to be English or, or something. It's weird that, That's like... a good question. I don't it's know. It's weird that, like, yeah, this character's now just, like, enveloping this English persona. If he's not I, English? I don't know. But, because um, this, is good, this falls into, like, theory territory. Of, like, like, what people become once they become, like, acquired by the hotel, I guess. 
But uh, it's weird because like he's almost like masquerading as this waiter, and then when Jack calls him out, he's like, "You're the previous caretaker," and then he finds like Danny. Danny's getting help. You know, you got to do something about it. Yeah, and it's like, oh god, like this guy's bad. Yeah, he's like, because he talks about, it, he's like, man, my wife was out of line, but I corrected her. And, and he like, also uses a racial slur, and I'm like, this guy, dude, sucks. that n word drops like three to four times back to back, and I'm like, stop saying it. <laughs> it's terrible. It is. Yeah, it's all well, within like five seconds. I'm like, please stop. Talk about the like a. I think that kind of leads into like the theme of the story too is um, racism. Yeah. Uh, so a big, a big proponent of why they are, there are ghosts in the hotel room is, is that the hotel was built on Native American burial ground. Okay. And they had to fight off some of the Native Americans to build it. Took a while. But also like, I think that falls into like the gold room. Like oh. they're, cause like Colorado's like big in gold, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, that's kind of a motif. There's a lot of, uh, Native American motifs throughout this movie. I've like seen. the way the design is, uh, the outfits that they wear, like, for the majority of it, um, they're always wearing like uh, more like pattern like natural the... colors like browns and yeah. stuff. At one point, she's like wearing Native American like it's patterns like, on a like moccasins a and like a dress. Yeah, and, like almost looks like she's a Native American. And then to counteract like... counteract that, uh, the other costumes they would wear are, like red, white, and blue. Uh, okay, like if you look at like uh, like uh, Danny wears the Apollo. Yep. Landing, yeah. and then uh jack wears that red white and blue outfit pretty much for the entire movie wow yeah that and is. it's kind of like that's kind of what's going on back and forth and then there's um there's a part where they're in the pantry and there's, there's like the brand the brand there's brands that are native american like logos yeah. uh even so the, yeah racism is a big theme that's in this movie and, and it's even like, to the point where it's like when jack is talking to Ullman in the beginning he's got this like loud and proud american flag on his desk yes. just like like this is America, you know. Oh wow! Well, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, white man's burden. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Like, I think, does he? Yeah. Bring, he brings white it up. Man's yeah. Burden. yeah, he does. Oh, yeah. he does say that. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. So there's like a racism theme that's going on here, like in a, a white American male or patriarch theme that's happening. So it's almost like is the them building this hotel on a burial ground? Is that like is it like a Native American curse? You think, or is it like just inherently just an evil, like the just bad juju? You know. I want. I'll, I'm gonna save it for when we get into okay. theory territory okay. because I, there's a question that like I'm just wondering. I feel yeah. like I want to discuss it with you guys as far as it's, like it's the same thing I brought yeah. up in the 1408. It's like a chicken or the egg. Like, was the hotel always evil or is it a product yeah. of yeah something? It's fine. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because we only got about an hour left in this movie, and it is like iconic scene after iconic yeah. scene because um, during all this, Scatman gets a call uh, through The Shining. Um, I love the sound effects here. But when uh, Scatman's getting the well, he's um, in his hotel room. I think it's um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm mi- I'm mix- mixing up scenes, but go yeah, go ahead first. So, uh, Scatman or what's his name in this? It's uh, Halloran. Halloran. Halloran gets a call from Danny via The Shining, and so the next like 40 minutes of this movie is him just trying to get back to the hotel to help him. He gets a plane, he uh, rents a car, he's getting through all this snow. He'll eventually get to the hotel, which we'll get to that point. Yeah. Um, but then we have Wendy who approaches Jack and she has a bat in her hands. And this scene is so good because you can just see how terrified she is and how menacing he is. It's and actually vice versa. It's him. It's her going to talk to Jack. He's not there. She discovers the typewriter. Oh with, yeah. I'm sorry. With yeah, all of the yeah. Jack is a dull boy. And yes. uh, like over and over again, it's funny. There's actually a couple mistakes in the typewriter, like writing itself. Like it's not consistent whatsoever. Yeah. Um, cause I think at one point it says 
uh, Dolbog or Dolbot. Okay. Yeah, it says Jack is a Dolbot, Dolbog, and it's just like, oh, it's like there's actually like a couple typos. Oh, okay, for, cool. For Kubrick, he's such a perfectionist. I think it was probably done intentionally. It could be. Um, yeah. but those are literally the only two typos I saw in the. Oh, timer. really? Yeah. Okay. Um, so they have this confrontation. Jack like approaches her and like makes her walk up the steps backwards. Yeah. This scene is just and awesome. This it is, is terrifying. This is the part I was talking about uh, because Danny's kind of like um, he's eavesdropping via the shine uh, oh, okay. of this conversation. The yeah. way he's it's cutting, it's just showing Danny's face. He's like listening. Yeah. And the way they distorted uh, Jack Nicholson's audio, it's is awesome. Very, very it cool. is so cool. Yeah. It sounds like Creep Show. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like the Leslie Nielsen, like under the, the yeah, yeah, whatever. It's very like yeah, very kind of like just. Distorted in a way where it sounds kind of muffled. Where they're kind of mixing, like, mixing like the wave, uh, um, not the waves, but yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah, I think yeah. we're about the same thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Wendy swings the bat at him, hits his hand, and then she hits him in the head. It's amazing stunt by this dude. This, this guy falls down the steps. <laughs> this guy falls like and rolls like on top of his head down, like basically does like a, a flip. Yeah. Backwards, but he's like on his head at one point and just like completely falls on the. Stage. I don't know how many takes. I can't imagine 140. But, yeah, but this this scene, if knowing that there's 148 takes with the conversation with Scatman Crothers, and you mentioning, I don't know how many takes it took to do this stunt, but this is a reason why the uh they should have an Oscar category for stunt people. Oh, right? totally. Because totally. Yeah, this is before wires, and this guy was actually falling yeah, on the stairs. It's brutal. Um, so she takes Jack and puts him in the pantry and locks him in there, and he ends up getting out because. Uh, a ghost like it's great it might be grady or somebody lets him out they talk to him yeah. and say hey you need to take care of your wife she's not as weak as we thought hey, she home was. or you kill your family yet <laughs> oh yeah the, uh, no the, eating the, yeah the shinning is yeah that what it's called the, yeah they uh he say he has a really cool line because he's like yeah your wife's not as weak as we thought she was she's much stronger than we thought and they got a really cool line yeah and un- yeah. like basically um uh uh which what am i trying to say basically Think they think she's so weak that she's incapable, but she's like yeah. proven to become a match. Which is cool yeah. because she is weak emotionally because she's she's deteriorating, but she's staying but very strong. The defense meanwhile. mechanism yeah. of her, you know. This is the moment, though. Okay, can we? I'm gonna talk about like theories and stuff. No, no, get to the theories. Let's get to well, the no, movie. No, because I want to no, talk because... about that. I'm forget. I'm gonna, I'm gonna forget the stuff that okay, I'm gonna well, talk about. We're at the end of the movie, so let's get to the the last like if it's, 20 minutes. Does right it here. relate to the scene? The yes, scene right yeah. it does. Okay, yeah. okay. Here's my question for you: Is the hotel really haunted? Oh, okay. That's like, interesting. Do you guys think it's really haunted? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Hanto? I don't know. It's questionable. It's very questionable, and this is scene. This like specific <clears throat> scene. Would be the scene that would like sway you either way because the door unlocks by itself. Right, right. Unless Danny opens it. Why would he open it? Though? I don't know. You're <laughs> all. He's trying to get some Cheerios. They're all like, going some crazy. Late night, late night Cheerios. Because like, okay, so there was a uh, Stephen King will tell this like tells this story all the time about The Shining about how one at one point at like three in the morning he got a phone call when Stanley Kubrick was making the movie and he started talking about like the metaphysics of. <laughs> The hotel and stuff, and then like supernatural things. I don't things. care. <laughs> and Stephen King asked me, he's like, "Well, do you, he's like, do you believe in ghosts?" Yeah, yeah. And Stanley Kubrick was like, "No, I don't believe in ghosts." Interesting. And it was kind of like the moment Stephen King realizes, like, he's probably he's probably the worst director to make this movie <laughs> because the movie's a, the story is a ghost story. Uh, 
but like a lot of the ghost things that happen can be attributed to them just going crazy Psych- psychosis or yeah but like he really make- like perhaps he does really beat up like he beats up danny in his and sl- like his sleep he's a sleepwalker he's like a yeah. step brother sleepwalker there is no like room 217 but then again and it's like talking about like the actual like shining the telepathy right right um i don't think i'm using the right word there yeah telepathy um that he's able to contact O'Halloran in Florida. Halloran, and, just Halloran. And uh, basically warn him, you know? And so it's like, it's it's questionable. Like, is the ghost... I don't think it is. I think Are the ghosts and... real in this movie? Yeah. I will probably say that they are real. Yeah. Just because of, like, there's so many things with, like... the. I, I feel like it'd be a, trif- a trifecta of coincidences... Uh, with character scenes, Danny spe- seeing the twins in the beginning. Yeah, just during kinds, during yeah. a crowded crowded public place. Yeah. Um. When of course Jack sees multiple at one point. Uh. Wendy sees um a guest with his bleeding head and uh. Great party. Yeah, great party. Uh. She also sees that that weird guy in a bear suit with his butt hanging out. Uh. Giving a giving that guy a blowy. Yeah. On, which is very like, what is that? I feel like it's 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 weird because like it, like. I'm, I'm very torn because like I, I, w- I like to say, yes, this movie is about ghosts because it like, it wraps up everything. Yeah. It makes that when you get to the end of the movie that he's in the picture, yeah. it makes more sense. Uh, he's able to see stuff he hasn't heard about like the room two seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. Two thirty seven, two thirty seven, sorry. Two seventeen in the book. Um, but like he's able to see that stuff without ever being told about it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, multiple, yeah, I don't think there's anything to be torn on. I feel like it's but like, like with Stanley Cooper saying, I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in ghosts, but I'd st- I can still make a ghost movie. That yeah, but it's like, I know, that's what I'm saying. Like, is he doing this? Like, is this- I think he's uh, a terror on the set. I think he was just given, I think he's notorious for, obviously he tortured, uh, Shelley Duvall on the set of this movie. I feel like he was doing the same thing to Stephen King, waking up late at night and telling him he didn't believe in ghosts. And oh man. I think he's just a terror yeah, uh, I don't okay. think. I think it's like saying like, is Jurassic Park really about dinosaurs? And you're like, yeah. The, the, nah, this the, is different though because a lot of these scenes you can. There's a lot of psych psychology. Yeah. Behind these scenes, basically. Like at one point when he's talking to Lloyd, he's like, Lloyd, he's like, you've always been a good friend, and it's like, what do you mean always been? You just yeah, met him. yeah, you just met. Oh him. no, I think I think okay, we'll get to theories because you're you're. But, that, but, that, yeah. but I'm saying with this door opening up is like the make or break moment where it's like, okay, yeah. that door just opened by its unlocked. He was by locked itself. in there. Yeah. And it's got a, it's got a latched, it's got a, a, a pin latch. Yeah. So like, so it, it's not like a malfunction and somebody had to take that pin out to unlock the door. Or, to open. Or I don't like, think Danny let him out. Or like, um, or like room 237 itself. Uh, obviously, uh, Halloran was saying, don't enter the room whatsoever to Danny. Uh, he passes by it multiple times. It's closed, and then there's that one instance where he sees a key in the door. It's like, okay, if you're a ghost, you shouldn't need to like unlock the door. But who unlocked the door? You know. Wait, what key? What do you mean? Oh yeah, and yeah, you're two, right. Two thirty seven. When Danny finally opens or goes into, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a key yeah. with the uh, okay. marker two thirty seven. Yeah. That's like mm. basically someone had to unlock the door. Yeah. And enter enter the 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 room. Mm. And I think is there a ball that he like sees. Yeah, ball rolls into his. So yeah, it's like who opened the door? If you're a ghost, I feel like you don't need a key to open up a, a door. You know, a locked door. Oh, I think that I think they maybe they've done that to let Danny in. If the door is locked, yeah, I, I could. Yeah, but I'm just saying because like, all the doors are yeah. locked. So I, the ghost could pass through, but I, Danny can't physically. I'm just saying, oh, like, yeah. why? I just, I'm just saying, like, if they're in inside the room or whatever, like, they could just like turn the 
the, sure. the door. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It seems like a, it's a very weird. I'm just playing, you know, devil's advocate. Sure. Because uh, I, I truly believe it's a supernatural movie. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, why does a ghost need a key to open up a simple door to yeah. to let this kid in? They should just be able to open up the door. Yeah. If, yeah, they can man- if they can manifest and manipulate objects like whatever, yeah. why do they need this, this sure. specific key, 237, to open the door? So, because, so, like, what I'm saying is, like, what if all the ghost things that do happen in it are just manifestations of their, like, psychology just Why being would they all erect? have the same premonition? That doesn't make any sense. Why would they, why would Danny and Wendy both see the elevator with blood come down? Why would they have the exact same thing? You know? The shine. Yeah. It's Danny with the shine. He's projecting telepathically but then, oh but if he wow, is then it's still supernatural then it they, is they, they, it they is. show yeah. it i mean yeah but they show that in like dr sleep they show like how you're able to project uh telepathically like yeah to people who don't have the shine yeah they can yeah. still they can still affect how they think or mm. see things so danny it could be like saying that it could be danny's like going his, around screwing everything up by accidentally his, uh, I don't I think stuff. this is a conspiracy theory okay but like alright but like or we can, talk about this or, there's no liquor or beer anywhere in the entire hotel yeah. they have they say that in the movie yeah. right at least I, I think they say it in this one I, I might have missed he it oh it. I yeah. got I got a, I got a perfect yeah. uh, theory so there's no liquor or beer yeah. how does he get intoxicated how does he get a hold of it if there's none of it in the hotel you don't even know if he is intoxicated exactly Building, build, I don't know what exactly. we're trying to prove. This is no because he thinks he's having his first beer, so it could be like a manifestation of his own psychosis that it's like he's. I making, think this is he's making this stuff. This what we're seeing is what's going on in his head that there are no real ghosts and that he's like uh, just going crazy. Uh, hear, hear me out on this one. Here, I got, I got a theory. This is this is a cinema cult, cinema, uh, room two thirty seven documentary. I, I'm just entering a, a my segment right now. Okay. Uh, I just talked about how Danny uh, is projecting these things, these thoughts, maybe into each of their the the mom and dad's like heads maybe uh so what if danny was uh listening in on that conversation with olman about grady uh two daughters blah blah blah, and he starts basically projecting these kind of images uh based on what he eavesdropped on earlier in the movie into their heads and now they're kind of like seeing things based on what the shine is doing to them and maybe that's what the like the symbolism the elevator is is like all of it just opening out and yeah, they're you know, rusted. They're, they're, out, they're, like... they're wor- he's worried about the rusted pipes at, at the yeah. house. So, uh, you know, you see this rusty water coming through the elevator. Dude, flooding, and... man. The number Dude, one killer. No, but most, the biggest thing, homes. the biggest thing I'll finish up on is uh, there's that incident with Jack basically kind of abusing uh, Danny because he's an alcoholic. So, what if he's having these kind of like PTSD moments of dad being terrible slash being an alcoholic? He starts projecting like the alcohol. And the 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 crazy into into Jack's head, and he starts acting on it because of Jack is like doing telepathic beams to him. You know, that's what you're saying. Yeah. So I feel like that's Hanto, that's Hanto's conspiracy theory corner. Sure, but I feel like if we're gonna play this game, then any movie ever about ghosts is about people who have mental disorders. That's, because yeah, that's, 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 that's yeah. always the, the cheapo route, you know? Well, that, yeah, that's what we're that's, doing with this. But, no, that's yeah. not actually what I'm doing, because I truly think this is a supernatural movie. Yeah. I'm just saying, what if? Yeah, and that's fun. I feel like Matt is really pushing, like, I don't think it's about ghosts. It is. No, I'm just, I'm only saying that based off of that story, that yeah. he talked to Stephen that King. Does, okay, but I'm telling you, I don't believe in ghosts. But, I it, but doesn't it feel kind of weird that, like, Stanley Kubrick is so particular about the stuff that he makes that he would make a movie about stuff he doesn't care about and doesn't think is real? 
A movie. Doesn't it seem kind of strange? I mean, obviously, he does want to waste his time with 148 shots. Yeah, to... he's going to waste his time with 148 shots of Scatman Crothers and because he's such a perfectionist, but he's going to wait. He's going to waste all of his time making a movie about something he doesn't believe in. It's hey. a movie. That's what, no, I know it's not, I know, but he's like you're saying it from an entertainment perspective. Like he's making it for entertainment. Yeah. I'm saying that like why would he want to make a movie that he does not believe in the message? It's just like if you made There's a, no message. It's just a haunted house movie. I think it, I I actually do think there's a lot of stuff you can pull from this movie. It's I it's a great discussion movie. There's yeah, a lot there's yeah. a lot of yeah. things you can perspectives on it based mm. off of history of the movie the filmmaking history behind the book comparison comparing with the the movie itself there's a lot of like just stuff around the time as well like his historically you know past present whatever uh that creates discussion i feel like that this is the this oh is the i totally agree yeah. yeah but i don't i hate looking for something when it's not there yeah yeah like, like dude then you, you should watch that 237 documentary that movie <laughs> that documentary is atrocious i hate that I, I turned it off i yeah, yeah. i, I, I made it one yeah. segment and i was like this is stupid at one point when a guy was like if you look into the clouds uh while the helicopter shots like flying over the volkswagen you can see like images and pictures of uh, stanley kubrick in the clouds and i was like what the hell i think like, there's also like stuff about moon landing and all that stuff. Like, oh yeah the moon landing one's actually really interesting <laughs> okay dude man really quick i'm not 100 percent behind what i'm saying about it i'm just kind of like i wanted to open that discussion was that if is he because it's all about being crazy yeah, yeah this movie's about yeah. going crazy and it's like i wanted to talk about like are these like fake image like images images in their heads or are they real ghosts so i just want to discuss it with you guys not 100 percent behind it but the interesting thing is that stanley kubrick there's a theory out there that he was the one after 2001 Space Odyssey, the that the government landing. asked to fake the moon landing. They asked him to direct the moon landing, right? And then what does Stanley Kubrick do in this movie? He makes his kid, uh, he makes the kid wear an Apollo space rocket shirt. Right, and it's like, right. like right after, uh, like... Being accused of, like... Yeah, I mean, basically. like, whatever, like 10, uh, 10 or so years later. Yeah. Uh, after being accused of it. And, like, so it's kind of like, it's interesting. That's interesting I don't. That, I like, think the whole the whole sweater is about the whole Native American thing. I think that's the whole. Oh yeah, Native I do American. too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I do too. It's just ironic that like. Yeah. Sure. I think he it's, gets like I said. I think it's just Kubrick being a terror. He's like yeah. he's trolling. Yeah, he's, like, he's trolling before memes existed. On but it. I don't think this. I don't think that was a theory, at the time. I you don't, don't believe in the moon landing. No, no, I don't think like that moon landing theory that he directed that didn't come in until like the past like twenty years. Oh yeah, I think so too. Yeah. yeah so for so. Danny to have that sweater on is very no, it goes peculiar. Back, no, it's not because it goes back to the whole Native American American thing about the space race and we're America, we're go Apollo yeah. eleven. Yeah. So I don't think it has yeah, anything I, to no, do. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's just it's just ironic that like. I don't know. It's just ironic that that theory pops up and then Danny happens to be wearing that sweater, yeah. that particular yeah, sweater. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. That one I believe more than the whole there is no ghost thing. Oh, so you don't um, believe the moon landing was real? Oh, my God. Dude. <laughs> is that what you're saying? You're wasting everybody's time. <laughs> um, Three-hour podcast. And then, I mean, and I like looking for stuff, that, like theories and things, but uh, too much of the stuff with, like, Danny and, like, the Dan Danny has The Shining, which is supernatural. And he... Um, uh, quote unquote ghost lives inside his body oh, that he yeah. talks to. Yeah. There's just too much for it to be like. I think uh, yeah, they're just crazy. In, in the book, I think they say it's future Danny. I think uh, that's no, no. It's just in the miniseries. Oh, it's just in the miniseries. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't think it's in the book. Though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, 
I can't recall because I read the book about it's ten, not in ten the years ago. It's, it's not. not in the book. Okay. Um, but yeah, I like the idea of like, yeah, they're just going crazy. They're behind like cabin fever. Yeah. It's cool, but there's yeah. just too much to be like. I do think it's purely a just flat out supernatural. Supernatural. Oh, because, okay. Yeah. Can I throw this at you? I, oh I don't mean to God. continue this discussion. This is the longest podcast. Is your house haunted? No. Yeah. I don't know. Your, your girlfriend says your house is haunted. I don't believe in ghosts, so no, I don't think so. Okay, so then you, like, you're saying this movie, they're crazy? <laughs> I'm, just fuck, I'm just fucking with you. No. Do you think Jurassic Park was about dinosaurs? Yeah, there's dinosaurs in that. No, they see it's them It's not all. about They have a cr- beer at dinner, and I think the rest of the movie is just they had that beer, and now they're just Oh my god, dinosaurs. I wish I could just have a beer and go see dinosaurs. That would be, that'd the, be awesome. That would be the craziest I'd beer I'd pay however much money to go to Jurassic Park. Yeah. All right, back into it. My gosh. <laughs> um... <laughs> I don't even know. Okay, so um, uh, he's in the he's in the cat or he's yeah. in the, the pantry. Yeah, he's in the pantry. Danny lets him out, and he goes on this whole. Uh, <laughs> just waiting for Matt to look at me. Who lets him out? <laughs> the ghosts do because at that point Danny's already taken over by Tony. Um, because oh yeah, because now it's the Tony's in full force. Danny's not even around. Hi, Mrs. Torrance. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I had totally forgotten about because yeah, there's a good like hours that. Tony is in charge now. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, if you wanted to play an argument that Tony let him out, but I think Tony's a good guy. Yeah, Tony, I think is like looking out. For yeah, her. Tony's looking out for Danny. Um, so I don't think he would have let Jack out. But just to play with your theories. Okay. Um, so meanwhile, we have another iconic scene of Danny writing red rum on the yeah. the door. Man, I remember um, the sound bit from when I was like, like Red Rom. Yeah, the Red Rom. There, Dude, used, to be a, there cool. used to be a website back in like the the nineties. Yeah, that had like a bunch of movie clips and sounds and stuff. And like I remember this being one of them. It's just like that clip of the Red Rom. Oh, really? I'm like, oh, what what's that? cool about that is he says Red Rom, and I like how his voice changes when yeah. Tony leaves. Yeah, because like his voice becomes like less clear. It's like Red Rom, Red Rom, and like you yeah. can just tell like Danny's coming through and yeah. Tony's leaving. Yeah. Um. And this, at this point, Jack has already gotten out of the pantry. He's trying to find Wendy and Jack. He uses the axe to get into the, the bedroom, which I love this tracking shot of the camera following the axe. Yeah. Slowly going back, following yeah. the axe. It's so neat looking. This, this, is, this is already after he killed? Uh, no, 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 yeah, no. This is after. No, uh, no, yeah. no, no, no. This is before, yeah. Okay. So this shot's from a, a silent film called uh, Phantom Carriage. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, this I've not heard. Yeah, that shot with the axe sitting against yeah. the door. Yeah, it's cool. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I yeah. like that that shot a lot. Um, Wendy takes Danny and lets him slide out the window that's on like a huge snowbank. This looks so fun. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, it is terrifying when Wendy's trying to squeeze this window and you know she can't get through. Yeah. Like, this is the first just time I've watched leave, this. Just leave. Yeah, it's intense. Yeah. Um, this, Jack, okay, so all the snow, real, tri- real quick tw- uh, trivia. It's co- it's all the cocaine that he it's owned at the time. It's all the cocaine. <laughs> you ever see Cocaine Cowboys? Uh, no, it's all the snow is salt. And anything oh, that's falling really? from the sky is styrofoam. Oh, wow. And they said it was hot as hell. And they said that the salt would, like, eat through all the equipment. Ah! It's, like, eating through their skin. Because yeah. yeah. it, like, eats through shoes. It eats through, like, tripods. Wow. Uh, they should have used sugar. But, yeah... Nice. It would have been a sweet set. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's cool. bees, Chris. <laughs> and then you play that. You play that song from uh, um, Empire Records. Sugar high. <laughs> <laughs> Stop eating the snow. Um, so Danny gets away. 
Jack breaks in through the door with the iconic "Here's Johnny" scene. Yeah, uh, which have I believe you, was improv. Have, have you seen this behind the scenes? Uh, when shot? he's getting all jacked oh up. Oh my god! Yeah, him psyching himself up. And he's like, oh. yeah, it's really cool. Um, when he ends up cutting his hand when he tries to break through, and then she gets away, and then at the same time, Scatman shows up. And he's walking he, to the hotel. I think he hears, I think, him arriving, I think. And then, like, hears yeah. him calling out in the yeah. hotel or whatever. And, dude, this scene is terrifying. Oh, God. This yeah. scene, there's so much in this scene. So, Scatman is walking down the hallway, yelling for the family. And it's silent, and it's a long shot. This is perfectly shot. Yeah. Jack comes out of the corner. It's terrifying. And the way that Axe goes into him cr- makes me cringe, because it is so brutal. Yeah. And then... It's like the Axe... Uh, you know, it's like wide shot of him like hitting him in the chest with the axe. It cuts on to a close up of thing, Scatman's face like yelling, and then cuts yeah. to Danny's face like, oh, yeah, it's dude, it's trauma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think this like we're uh, I'm gonna mention it because uh, I think I brought it up in the past. I think this is like where Brad Dorf got his uh, scream for Child's that? Play. Oh, this yeah. is like this. The, this is the Chucky scream right here. Yeah, which is oh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I do like it. I don't know which one of you brought it up, or maybe it was a combination. Like I don't, I, like I said, I do believe this whole thing is haunted. But I do like the idea of Danny projecting. Uh, yeah, what yeah. he's thinking. Haunter that is brought, pretty Haunter neat. Haunter brought it up. I, I think, think that's, that's really neat. cool. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really cool. I still think it's one hundred percent ghost. I know you do too. Yeah. But I think that is cool that like Danny would be the reason that the family's going insane. Yeah, he just has. Yeah. He's. Yeah. I mean, he's so he doesn't even know he has this ability until Halloran's like, "You got the yeah. shine." Yeah, know? I think it's really neat. Um, and then nothing against your theory, Matt, with the whole like. No, uh, it's not my theory. theory. It's not my theory. Is, oh, you're this, just bringing up. Uh, this yeah, the, this is the apology section of the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're just, the, you're, we're sorry. We're going to the stages of grief on this episode. Yeah, you're just creating conversations. Yeah, you're but but yeah. I like I like I like the idea that like, uh, the that the the telepathy that he's using is projecting those images into everybody's yeah. heads. Was that your original idea? No, that was Haunted. Oh, okay. Haunted what was yours? Brought up. I think Mine I... was that, like, whether, I just asked whether it was ghosts You or, think it was, or cabin fever. Ghosts or they're, they're all going crazy. Okay. But that would make sense, that like, the telepathy thing, because, like, some of these stories, if you don't believe in ghosts, some of these stories haven't been told to anybody. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like, why would Wendy know about any of this stuff? She doesn't right. know any... Well, to, to bonk, I'll, I'll get to it in a second because we're almost there. There's 100% proof that it's a ghost story, and I'll get to it. Okay. Um, I so, was there. <laughs> I was always there. <laughs> so Scatman dies. Um, Danny takes off outside. Well, he's already outside. He's running through the hedge, ma- hedge maze. Jack follows him throughout there. This is gorgeous looking. Oh, yeah, it's great. Um, yeah. Jack is doing this great, like, dragging his foot, and he's hunched over in the cold. And Danny! Like, it is awesome. Uh, meanwhile, Wendy comes outside. She sees the um, snowmobile thing. Yeah. And Snowcat, right? Yeah, Snowcat. Danny ends up covering his tracks so Jack can't find him, gets out of the maze, hops in the snowmobile with Wendy, takes off, and then we watch like, the downfall of Jack as he gets exhausted and cold. I think he's actually like, it's kind of sad because he's like actually calling out for help, I think. He's Is like, he? Yeah, he's like asking for help. Oh, and that's then, depressing. And then, yeah, and then it does like the hard cut. Yeah, he's like, like the, s- the salt's eating everything. Ah, my wounds! <laughs> ah! He put, um, puts his head in the salt. Yeah. Ah! Oh, my eyes! Ah! <laughs> so, what? Like, I want to talk about the book for a second. So, a big part in the book, and it's in the miniseries as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that um, the lions and stuff? No, not the, the oh. yeah, the mate, the the hedge animals. 
But um, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about, like, okay, so he goes to the, the hotel, and he's going to write a play, right? Yep. And then all of a sudden, he gets start. He starts to get, like, really into the hotel, and he finds a scrapbook. This isn't you, you just watched this in the TV version, right, Chris? I did, yes. Okay, so he finds a scrapbook, and it's got all, like, everything that's ever happened in the hotel. He finds it in the basement. Oh. I don't know what was going on, but at one point... So, at, and then... I'm oh, sorry. Then he says, tells himself, instead of writing a play, I'm going to write a book about this hotel. Yes. Okay. One scene in this movie, he's sitting there with a typewriter. That book is on the desk. Oh, interesting. And it's never mentioned. It's There's one shot, and that book is on the desk. And I, it's very obviously that book, because it's a scrapbook with pictures of newspaper clippings in it. Everything that has ever happened. The, it's the yeah. title. Everything that has ever happened at the Overlook Hotel. Which is in the book, and it's also in the miniseries. Okay. Uh, this book that he finds in the basement. But yeah, it's in one shot in this movie on his desk next to his typewriter, and they never mention it. And it's so weird. That's bizarre. I'll have to rewatch that. Yeah, yeah, I'll show you the shot. It's like it's there. So I'm like, what got cut here? Like, yeah, yeah. What are they? Like, were they? Because they never talk about him in the, this movie writing a book about. Well, the let, speaking do we of, even do we even know what he's writing in this? Uh, just, I don't even. I think he just said he's just writing a story. Yeah, he's a writing project. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, yeah, he. It's weird. Yeah. It's, it's so yeah. weird. So I want to know I, what was deleted from this movie. I feel like if they did that, they'll whole writing the history of the overlook that would be too uh on the nose of like this is what's going on with the movie you know very very much like you get the history of uh uh just characters that you see ghosts or whatever yeah it'd be, uh-huh. too, it'd be too obvious of like what the hell is going on you know i i just think like them not showing it just further goes to show like they don't want you to know like what exactly is going on with this hotel have you heard about the but it's over- just, overlook it's- show that got canceled uh no um J.J. Abrams, it was getting ready to go on HBO, and like a month ago, it got canceled. It was called Overlook. Okay. And each episode was going to be about a ghost Anthology. in the Overlook. Oh, uh, interesting. It looks like it got overlooked. Oh. Uh, yeah, I got nothing. More like, I don't know. Yeah. Under, underbooked. Yeah, there um, you go. So. But, yeah, so I'm just saying that, like, that book, if that's what you're saying, Haunted, that yeah. that book being here is very, very weird. Because yeah, yeah. if you read the book, you'd be like, oh, that's the book that he reads in the nothing. book. It just might be about the Overlook the Hotel. The yeah. But, like, why is that there in, the, in this movie if they're not going to, like, discuss yeah, it? Yeah, that's so strange. Yeah. But Jack ends up freezing, and the next day we see he has died. And then we cut to a picture inside the Overlook of a party from 1921. That Jack had attended. July 4th, by the way. Yeah. 1921. Which, yeah, oh yeah, I didn't even pick that up. Um, end of movie, and I feel like that shot of him at the party is 100% proof that this is supernatural. What it means, I don't know. I don't mean, I don't know if it means that, it's, like, I mean, I guess there's the he ongoing. was already dead. That's what they were saying. Or, like, like, he's absorbed into the hotel now, and they made that picture for him. Yeah. Or, to play devil's advocate, that final shot is the final thought in his head. As he's dying, uh, that doesn't that he's finally a part of the hotel. As the brain synapses, he's like shooting, home. yeah, you know, you see your what is it the you know the endorphins or whatever making you see like one happy thought before you die. Yeah, you know, what if that's what it, I don't know. I don't know. But I do know. It's I don't want to discuss. Yeah, yeah, it's a good. Time. I don't good. think that was something that was in his head. But I do think it was a picture on the wall. And I think that's it's really weird, though. Right? Is, that's what's yeah. so cool about the it. The shot I love is that really because they bring up they bring up the uh, you have always been here uh, a couple of times in this movie, right? Well, yeah. I think it has a lot to do with the thing with Grady. Yeah, because Grady doesn't know that he was the caretaker. Yeah, and so I wonder if that has anything to do with Grady being like, "Oh, I've been here the entire time," and I think that has to, something to do with the 
like absorbing a yeah soul something. Or I don't know something. what why it means. why nineteen twenty one exactly. I think that's a good point. Yeah, too. Like, July Fourth makes sense with that theme we talked yeah, about, especially with yeah. the history, the long going history of like Native Americans getting the ground. Like, why is it nineteen twenty one that is like the year? Yeah, when this stuff goes down or whatever. Why yeah. is uh. Maybe 1921 is that party that he's at in the gold room. Oh, um, that was the moon landing. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) I'll look it up. Keep talking. Keep talking. Theory approved. Uh, So that's The Shining. Uh, Um, There is a scene that was after this, and it played in theaters for like a week. And then Stanley Kubrick said, never mind, cut that scene off. Oh. And then the footage got deleted. Oh, and you wow. can't watch it ever again. Interesting. So this movie did not end here. Matt, what was the ending to this movie originally? Uh, that um, the... Uh, the is it like Danny in the hospital or yeah, something? Yeah, Danny's in the hospital and he gets visited by... Ullman? Ullman, yeah. Oh. Yeah. And they have like a conversation like that. And then as they're leaving... He's like, like, I need you to cover my ass because I hired two people who have committed murders <laughs> in this hotel. He looks back at Danny. He's like, "See you soon." <laughs> um, no, he hands Danny the ball that Jack was throwing oh, in the room, and that's how the movie ends. Interesting. I think that is an awesome that's ending. That's really cool. That is such a creepy ending. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they pulled it from theaters. No, he, he, it's Ullman giving him that tricycle that he was promised at the beginning of the, the shooting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I had such a terrifying ending, and it would have been like, um, I think that would have been further proof that. Even was even more supernatural, and the fact that Omen would have been in on it as yeah. well, I think, is really creepy. Uh, what I was looking up, by the way, I was looking up twenty one, uh, nineteen twenty one a year. But I was thinking it had something to do with pro- like prohibition. prohibition. Uh, you know, being the idea that it's like it's like drinking alcohol makes you an evil person. Oh right? yeah, it it, it uh, warps it's men's like, minds. Oh, yeah. so it was the year of prohibition. But the year of prohibition is nineteen twenty. Okay. So that's why yeah. I was like, I was looking it up, and I was like, oh, is that like a prohibition reference? Like the parties in the twenties when like prohibition. Yeah. But I mean, it could still be that. Like, it might just be a random year. Though. You know, they're having a they're having a party of like drinking alcohol in the twenties when they're not allowed. Dude, to. Dude, you are digging for the theories dude. Why not? This, this is fun, dude. Then do this for every movie we watch from here on out. Okay, when we cover week, when we cover Milk Money, I want to hear all the theories, dude. I want to hear fine, the. Dude. It's yeah. actually his real mom. <laughs> oh wow. Um. No, I was actually doing some digging because it was funny, uh, or not funny, but like it's interesting how Stephen King has a uh, this ongoing trend of like terrible dads in in his books or just adaptations, or whatever. Because we got Jack Torrance in this. We got uh, I don't know if you guys have watched In the Tall Grass, which was written co- is no, I haven't seen that co written by Stephen King and uh, Joe Hill. But there's another oh, cool. another evil dad. In okay. that movie, you got... Evil ba- Dad 2? Yeah, Evil Dad 2. Uh, dad by Dawn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was the, the best, like, fastest response you've ever had to something like that. That was great, dude. Uh, you got It, uh, Beverly's dad. He's, yeah. like, abusive. Uh, Under the Dome, Jim Rennie Sr. He's the mayor of the town. He's terrible. Okay. Awful person. Uh, Creep Show, you got Father's Day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Pet and Sem- Tom Atkins in, in Creep Show as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, also yeah absolutely. Uh, Pet Cemetery. I, you could argue that Lewis Creed is actually like being told time and time again, don't use the Pet Cemetery. That he does it. Yeah. yeah. Unleashes okay. hell. Uh, thinner. Terrible Dad. That movie. Okay. 1922. It's the plot of the movie. Yes. Basically. Uh, Silver Bullet. You could say Father Low. Red the Reverend. Oh. Terrible. Okay, it's a stretch, but uh, okay, 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 okay. And then Storm of the Century. It's arguably like they're basically told you have to give a son. Yes. yes. And like. 
you you know the town united is just terrible i appreciate this. i wonder this if this has okay. anything right. to do with i think uh, and i was looking at the history the history of his, stephen king his his dad i think had some history his dad left yeah basically yeah, his dad left him and like his dad was like a writer and not yeah. a successful writer. Yeah. But his dad left him uh, with his mom and his brother. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's like an ongoing. It's just interesting to see that so. and see how many terrible yeah. dads are are in okay. his stories. Very interesting. You know? That's like, oh, cool. Good uh, good uh, work there, buddy. Yeah. Thanks. Um, and okay, when I get when with these theories with this movie, I feel like I get defensive in this part too, because I mean I'm spoil. I mean we're at the end of it, so. We're going through our reviews right now. This might be my favorite horror movie of all time. I think it's a good favorite horror movie. I think it's, this is it's, a, this yeah. is awesome movie. This is this is fantastic. Yeah, I think this is I, this is a movie I never get sick of. And even like the boring quote unquote, like, even some of the boring stuff in it, I'm, it looks great. I'm so I'm not bored. Just yeah. technically, cinematically, yeah. I'm just like that's this what is, I mean. This is uh, this is amazing. Yeah, just, like I think this movie's fun. Haunting and yeah. you know, and that's why I think I got a little defensive about like the theories of like there are no goats. It's just and I've heard that before yeah, too. I've heard yeah, that. yeah, I definitely heard that. Because it can't be my favorite horror movie. But no, then uh, it can't. <laughs> <laughs> and then it falls to Evil Dad too. <laughs> Dad by Dawn. <laughs> Um, but yeah, to go through the, the review of this, I think this is easily for me. This is a, this is a 98 percenter for me. Um, I, this is a great movie. Um, with most of my reviews, it's just a few minutes too long. Um, but just even a few minutes, um, that's why it drops off a few percents for me. But, um, and then I wanted, I want not to compare. I want to grade it on a movie by itself, but like I like in the miniseries or in the original story that I like their family dynamic and I like that he's trying to be a good person. And with this, he's just kind of like this non whatever. Yes. Yeah. He's pulling uh, uh, throughout this movie. He's pulling. I basically was thinking, I was like, this is like the Nicholas winding ref and just characters staring off screen. It is dude. Like, yeah. especially when you cut to Jack and he's like already going crazy. He's just staring. Yeah. And yeah, he's not a really redeemable character in any way. And that's the only downfall of it. But yes, 98%. I think this is a great movie, great score, um, great acting, great whatever. It's an awesome movie. So that's a 98 for me. Uh, Matthew, what do you got? I think it's a perfect movie. I think it's 100%. Really? Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with the movie. Um, that's weird that you say that because I remember when I like first met you, you were, like, were dogging on this movie a lot. I thought the yeah. same thing, too. I'm I thought, surprised. Yeah, I, thought would, I thought it would hit, honestly, I thought it would hit in that 85 like range. Because, okay, it, this is what I was talking about earlier. I love the book. The book is I see, I have nothing, nothing to compare to because I haven't read the book. The book's, yeah. but, like, the book's great. I need to, yeah, I'm going to check it yeah. out. But I've realized like over the years to like separate media from uh, yeah. books. It's, you have or, to. Separate the media. And I think like... Uh, it's that mix of sound and image, and it's just a perfect movie. Yeah. I, like, I mean, part of me, yeah, like, I would like, there's a part of me that it's like, oh, I could I could see another person being cast in this role. John Lithgow. John Lithgow, yeah. He'd be like, but it's just, I guess he'd be old enough at the time. As like a yeah. mo- as a movie lover, it is just like the most fat, it's one of the most fascinating movies to watch. Yeah. It is. It, I, I, I've probably it, seen this movie maybe close to 10 times now. Yeah. And it is, it is, like I said, it's never, I didn't even copy your review, but it's never boring because it's like watching it for the first time. I'm like, wow, this is made so well. Yeah. Yes. It's a, it's a very, like you can break it down technically. You can be, break it down theoretically. It's just an awesome, uh, mashup of like just skill. And it's, it's one of those movies that's just, it ages so damn well. 
Like here we are. This is we're forty one years later, and this movie's like yeah. But technically, I wouldn't bring this up on the show. Is this uh, in your top five of all time then? If it's one hundred percent for you, no. But uh, top two hundred, <laughs> top like two hundred and fifty two movies of all time. I two. believe there's a lot of one hundred percent movies. No, I like uh, to bring this up. I'm pretty sure. I don't know the dates on this. I'm pretty sure this movie was filmed halfway into the 70s. It has to. Be. I, yeah. I brought because it's got a 70s aesthetic to it. I, I didn't and even. It, they just took. It said to, it took five years for it to be made. I yes. was gonna say I didn't even bring this up in the episode, but in, like one of the literally the first notes I have after the cast and crew is like this is looks like it was made in the 70s. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's always weird when you see that date on it, 1980. You're like, it doesn't look like a 1980 movie. It looks yeah. like a 70s movie. Yeah. yeah. I always think, I always forget it's the, I, I think it's always like 76. The, I always the, think that. I guess yeah. the equivalent of like, you know, 2000s going to 2010s would be like a movie from 2010 and somebody has like frosted tips, you know? And you're like, <laughs> yes. This doesn't feel like nope. it's 2010s. <laughs> Dead giveaway. Dead giveaway. Uh, what about you, Hanta? Um, yeah, uh, after giving it some thought, like during the, the during the movie itself, uh, this is a 10, oh, 10, 10, this is a hundred percent. This is a hundred percent movie. That is insane that you guys both give it a hundred percent yet. It's my favorite horror movie. And I gave it a 98. That's so odd to me. That's okay. Cause like, yeah. I would say like, uh, like my, I would say like my, my, my top 10 movies, like Wolfman is yeah. like, like the Minnesota del Toro one. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> no, like, it's in my top ten, but I, I can see the movie has faults. Yeah. Oh, so it's not 100% for you. It's then. weird. It's I don't know. You kind of already, like, you go back and forth on things where it's like, there's not many things you can take out of The Shining where I'm like, yeah, it's not a bad movie. It's just, it's really hard. I'm, I'm giving it 100% because it's hard to, it's hard watching it and reading the book. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, you have yeah. that alternate perspective. Knowing the story, and it's like the stuff that they're kind of taking out, so it's like, okay. But it's like it is just such a powerful movie and such a like, uh, it's so damn effective. Yeah, yeah. And that was my review for the show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, just like from a technical standpoint, this is like a this is a masterful work by uh, Kubrick, and I can't even say the same for his other movies. Like Full Metal Jacket, yeah, it's got some good shots in it. Barry Lyndon looks great, you know. But like this movie hits every mark on a cinematic like scale plus the music is phenomenal and you got some fantastic experience or uh fantastic acting despite what kubrick did to shelly duvall she knocks out of the ballpark uh i feel bad for her that she was kind of mentally unstable after this but uh everybody hits it home run yeah i totally agree this is this is great yeah i might i'll bump it up to 99 i like i said I think it's a phenomenal movie. I just think there's a little bit in the beginning that can be chopped out a little bit just yeah. because it does take about a good 50 minutes before like, they're like, all right, we're in the hotel. Yeah, like, yeah. but, and I have no problem with setting up characters, but you're not really setting them up that much either. No, so no, that's I feel like you don't even really need to. You just have some dialogue. But that's what I yeah. wanted to. I yeah, want yeah. more of a family dynamic before they get torn yeah. apart. Yeah. That's um, the only thing I want. So I'll go with a 99. Yeah. Uh, hundred, uh, what else I was going to say? Uh, oh yeah. I've done so much like, like over the years of watching this movie and it's been just a steady increase, you know, in Same. quality for me. Same. Yeah. Um, like this movie is something like just easily watch rewatchable just because of the stuff we talked about theory wise and just like talking about film techniques and all that stuff. It's just like easily rewatchable cause you learn so much about how a movie is made and how to like tell a story. 
but not reveal everything, not spoon feed it to sure. your yeah. audience. You let the audience figure out what the hell's going on. Um, I will say <clears throat> there's a guy on YouTube uh, you guys should check out. His name is uh, Rob Ager, I believe his name is. Okay. Uh, he's got a YouTube channel called Qualitative Learning. He's got tons, tons of analysis videos on this movie alone, plus, like, the thing. Is this the one with the bloody elevator? Yeah. Where he talks about, he's like, what falls out of the elevator? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's got one on, like, the thing. He's got tons of videos. Okay. Al- Alien. He just dissects the hell out of it. Okay. From, like, a, basically, like, a collegiate standpoint. Like, a film professor. Oh, cool. You know? so What's his name like, again? Uh, Rob Ager. Okay. Uh, YouTube channel, Call of Learning. Okay. Check it out. It's awesome. Okay, cool. Uh, so, yeah, this movie's 100%. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad we all loved it. Uh, I wasn't sure where you guys were going to be at coming in. I knew I was going to praise it, but I wasn't sure where you guys were going to yeah, be Yeah, I, so. I just, like, uh, bringing up what Hanta said earlier, like, first time I think we met, we talked about Shining, and I, like, I didn't love the movie, but, like, I think since I've, uh, since that moment, I think I've watched this movie, like, four or five times. I, said, I, watched, asked, it like, just, I watched it just last year. I had seven no or eight problem years. rewatching yeah. a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Yeah. Dude, yeah, I no own problem. four copies of this movie. Which is and you had them all playing at all at once, yeah. and you're like Jack Torrance just staring at the screen. Well, I didn't have time to watch the full two and a half hours. Oh, so, you had so I started at different times and watched all four at the same time. in the middle. This is the quickest 35 minute movie I've ever watched. Um, um, but yeah, I'm glad we all dug it. Um, definitely in my top ten of all time. Uh, love this movie. Yeah. So uh, that will not conclude our Stephen King month. We have two more episodes for October Scarefest. We will have a video episode of Stephen King. Um, we're going to go ahead and talk about our top five Stephen, Stephen King. King. Are we just talking about movies? Yes, obviously. Why would no, we do no, books? No. I, I mean, read five Stephen King books. Sorry, top five Stephen King adaptations. Adaptations. I think is what we should do. That's at least what I'm doing. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count TV series and stuff like that. Oh, I yeah. would too. Yeah, yeah I'm going to yeah, put that yeah, in Absolutely. There. Yeah. 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 So I wasn't sure if we were just doing straight. Because yeah. your top five are just Misery, Shining, uh, yeah. Carrie. Exactly. Uh, maybe yeah. Doctor Sleep or something, and like, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, oh, we know so yeah. Uh, so <laughs> maybe. So yeah. So we're gonna have a TV episode on that. Um, we're gonna go ahead and film that here shortly. We're very excited, and then we'll have one more episode for the end of October Scarefest that we will release at a later date. Um, but we hope you've been having a great October. We love this time of month. We get super excited about recording these. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you have any requests or any comments. Hit us up on Facebook, or you can email us at cinemacultpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we love doing this. We hope you love listening to it. We hope you're having a great October. I'm Chris. I'm Matt. And I'm Honto. Happy Scarefest. We'll see you next time.